Hello, everyone, and welcome to this evening's episode of the Pathfinders podcast. I am Trio311, here with my partner in crime. Hello, I am Nazareth. And uh, we are the Pathfinders, and we are charting the way through all the nebulous <laughs> information surrounding Star Citizen and its development. As you can see, I am not in my cozy, comfy abode, and we are not streaming from my channel tonight. Because I am on the road. I'm in Lubbock, Texas. You don't work. look like you're on the road. You look like you're in a hotel. I'm in a hotel room on the road. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm not at home. And so we're like, okay, well, we will try and see and hope that Nazareth's bandwidth doesn't have any issues because my hotel room bandwidth is awful. And so we are, we are making it happen, making it work. Um, but yeah, we are back. And hopefully, we'll be able to be back next week as well, just not on Monday, because I will still be on the road mm. as of next Monday. I'm in Lubbock. I got into Lubbock late last night. I fly out tomorrow morning back to Salt Lake City, where I'll be for like five days. And then I'll go from Salt Lake City to Albuquerque, where I'll be for like three days. And then I'll fly back to Salt Lake City late Wednesday night, not this week, next week. And drive all the way to home in Boise that evening. It's going to be a long 10 days. Oh, boy. One down, nine to go. Hmm. Sounds fun. All I have is... Actually, my, my next two weeks looks like very nice and clear, like very little work. But that's because the holidays are coming up and I work in a department store. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. Uh... <clears throat> Dang it, tablet. Do what I want you to do. Never! All right, so tonight we have, as our monthly tradition, we're going to go through the monthly reports. There is so many good, we'll call them buzzwords, in this monthly report. Like, my oh, yeah. favorite feature of Outposts is being worked on, is being white-boxed. Um, we have a new set of clothing that has not been mentioned yet, as far as I know. Uh, we have info about... Uh, their tools for making planets and space stations. Just a whole ton of stuff across almost every, well, obviously over every team in the company. But let us get closer into it. Near into it. Anyway, um, I do like to start these off with reading both the headers for the month report and the Squadron 42 month report. So the PU month report, August 2022. Welcome to August PU month report. From leader ladder updates to all new outposts for Pyro, a huge amount of work was completed this month for the next few patch releases. Read on for, for read on for everything done in pursuit of the verse's biggest ever update. And as far as Squadron 42, welcome to Argus Squadron 42 update development report. Or yeah, update no Squadron 42 development report. I can read. In close, you'll find details on the latest progress made across the campaign, including updates on the cinematic scenes, the game engine, and character art. Thank you for all your continued support for Squad 42. Sincerely, CIG Communications. And because uh, we set it up so that uh, I'm the one doing the uh, engine, and I only just thought of this after I was done making this document in the first place, I could have just switched up where the engine fell in the report. I try and keep them most of the time in the same order, but I could move them. But anyway, I'm starting off with AI content. <laughs> so it's just going to be I me would talking. I know what you did, Naz. I would know what you did. Oh, would you? What? Wait, wait a minute. He tricked me. 
Still, I don't like doing the two sections in a row. That's I try and avoid that, but just that how it happened this month. Anyway, AI content. Uh, the team. Uh, let's see. Last month, AI content focused on new medical behaviors, uh, including creating three or behaviors for usables. I can read. My notes just got severely just conjumbled. Um, oh, I see. I deleted something. Uh, work through numerous bugs and child line deliverable. Somewhere I lost like half the paragraph. Um, anyway, improve. Where did this paragraph come from? What happened? I don't know where this paragraph came from. I have a paragraph and I don't know where it came from. Anyway, um, they worked on animation behaviors for the angle. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Angled sitting the... console. What? That the below at the end, yeah. Somehow it changed. That's all the AI content, but somehow the second half of it. That's not AI content. Changed in format. That yeah, is. That is. Chatline usables AI content continued to improve general locomotion. Oh yeah, no, there's a missing paragraph. <laughs> I I Weird. I control X somewhere and it. Removed paragraph. Anyway, um, they worked on t three behaviors for usables for the medical staff. That being saying, sitting angled console, yeah, which saying, is sitting. I'm hearing that guy from you. Um, phone, sorry. A console that they can look at a target, whether that be a player or NPC, but also have console and they can use they can do both, which is really cool. Uh, examine gives them the ability to examine patients on a bed. And also the medical fridge. Currently, it's just going to be fakes inventory taking. Uh, but in the future, it will be stocking and getting drugs from the medical fridge. Super cool. Uh, the team also continued to work through numerous bugs on a chow line usable. And for those who like have been hearing this for far too long and think it's it should have been done by now, the reason that we've been hearing it for so long is that it is the, the first of its kind it was the first npc usable or behavior usable and they're using that as kind of like the gold standard so as that gets updated and tightened up it will help make everything faster when building usables also it is a very complex thing um, as it goes on to say which was challenging due to their complex nature and resumed work on the food and vendors from last year alongside this ai yeah. content what sorry so I'm just going to throw in a little bit of speculation, not really speculation, but the the child line usable is, you know, it, that's a, a thing that is largely Squadron 42. Mm -hmm. um, you'll, you'll still use child line, you know, like if you go, uh, it, it's just going to get ported over and like in stations in the food court areas. Mm -hmm. you know, it's the same thing, but just a, a different environment. Mm -hmm. But the child line usable and, and those behaviors and, and all that, is um very much squadron 42 in that you in between missions you know you're on a navy ship the the largest social area is your is the galley you know, the, the, which is you know the, the kitchen and the eating area um, on a ship and so in between missions you know you're going to go down to the chow hall and you're going to interact with the npcs and you're going to have them have, hear them having conversations you know, we're seeing the different NPCs sitting at the table, eating and talking to each other. You know, you'll sit down and eat and talk with them. This is a, a huge part of the immersion that CR is so known for. If you go back to the original Wing Commander, 
you know, you, you, when you get back from a mission, you end up in the, the bar with, I forget the name of the bartender, but a couple of your wingmates, you know, hanging out in the, um, in the, the, the on-ship pub. Well, this is, there's no pub on site, uh, on board the UES Stanton or Navy ships within, you know, the Star Citizen universe, but there is the chow, you know, they call it the chow hall, but it's, you know, in the Navy, it's called the galley. And you're, you're going to be, that's like the, the social module for Squadron 42, you know, where you're going to be socializing and getting information and the, um, where you're going to be interacting with the, the, the rumor mill and the, information that you know moves around on board a navy ship you know the uh, colloquial term is scuttlebutt um but yeah that like when people get all bent out of shape about the chow line usable and, and stuff in the chow hall it's it's like oh you haven't spent any time on a navy ship they want this to be as diegetic and, and realistic as possible because your character is going to be sitting in that chow line with the other you know members of the crew and that's where you're going to be interacting with them, you know, like that. It's it's a big deal, you know, within the within the game, um, in order to make it immersive. And you know, it would be very immersion breaking if you go down there and you're having, you know, wild lines, you know, or, or listening to wild lines and talking to NPCs, getting information about what's going on with the ship and what the next mission is or what they heard from this person and that person. If them getting their chow just was all sorts of jank and you know that they went to get their their prison plate served up and they scooted up like five or six feet you know it's yeah that that's that's why this is so important not only are you gonna be seeing it a lot in the pu but it's going to be a big part of squadron 42 yeah during the in-between phases of missions Yeah, much like the reason they picked stanton for the first system the chow line being the first behavior was on purpose it is the nexus of a lot of different behaviors like well yeah. there's uh animation updates that go along with what you said later on in the report too so yeah the chat line is necessary <laughs> yeah and like the, this this first you know the the ai content paragraph that you got was with them talking about all the medical behaviors mm-hmm. i just reading those and then thinking about them in the the your your patient rooms in the different hospitals you know and those things going on i got just all sorts of tingly because you know you, you can tell when they talk about this stuff they're actually doing their homework like the people you know they, they are just winging it you know uh, they they are you know someone actually talked about their experience in a hospital and they wrote notes down yeah you know, it's, I would not it's, be shocked if they actually like called up a hospital staff member and like, hey, we're doing this thing. We'd like you to come and sit down with us for a second as they like run to the but design. It also, it signals a lot. Uh, it, it gives us signals about how medical gameplay with the med beds is going to work. Yeah. Um, if there's know, an, if there's an examined behavior, entire behavior for examine, like that's going to like. Like all these things that there are behavior structures for. That's not just an animation. It is an entire subset of animations for whatever task. And that gives you kind of a cue how much gameplay there's going to be in whatever behavior there is. So if there's an examined behavior, it means there's going to be gameplay associated with that behavior for players. And much in the same way, uh, these consoles and the fridge, uh, there's going to be things. Hand so every scanners. Time, yeah, hand scanners. So every time they say that something is a behavior for an NPC, like if if you guys aren't uh, too into NPCs, just turn that around and think of every time they say behavior, 
Just think of instead of behavior, this gameplay. So screen gameplay or examine gameplay or fri medical fridge gameplay. So just keep that in mind. Let's see. What else is yeah. there? Uh, AI... and Endeavor Hope owners. Yes. Pay attention. Yes. Um, AI content continued to improve general locomotion realism by taking the overlay animations worked on uh, last month and categorizing them by frequency. For example, coughs, sneezes will play 10% of the time, head scratches 40% of the time, and more extensive boulder actions like checking the mobile glass will happen 30% of the time. Now, this is the important part. They are currently designing a priority system to trigger these animations. This runs back to the medical thing, so maybe sneezes or coughs will happen a higher percentage if you're in a clinic. Categorize them, and then they can tell you tell the system what priority each category should actually take. And then maybe if you're at a, uh, a train station, they're they're looking at their mobile glass a little more, checking the time, whatever it is, um, or in a store or whatever. So yeah. And that is all I wrote down for AI content. So off to tree for AI feature. AI features um, this month <laughs> especially is thick. <laughs> yeah. That's why we made that the title of this episode because there's a you know the the, the report in, in it, the reports in their entirety are thick. There's these are it feels like when I was scrolling through and read it, I'm like, God, that took me a lot longer to read than last month's report and even the month before. Um, but they, they've got a lot of information, a lot of really, inter you know, really interesting information. But so uh, for AI features last month, the AI feature team continued implementing the traits system, which allows them to specialize AI characters using behavior logic by either limiting or favoring certain behaviors. Pardon me. For example, an AI with the cautious trait will prefer moving from cover to cover when approaching the target, whereas with the aggressive trait will directly move towards the target, ignoring available cover. Other traits include gunners who prefer using turrets, medics who aid allies by healing them, pardon me, and addicts who use stim drugs whenever available. The core system has been implemented and several traits are now in place. Further traits will be implemented once the corresponding behaviors are developed. So the, this is this is pretty huge. Yeah. When they say the core system has been implemented, the base functionality of, of this system is in and you know working, and they're just going to continue to add more and more and more traits. Um, it's just you know in order to make it systemic, and this is what's going to be driving the NPC behaviors and how they act with uh when, when it comes to subsumption ai and if you're not too familiar with subsumption ai you really have to go back and watch the um the 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 more recent from last year um citizen con presentation from tony z talked more i think about it than the previous one but both of them talk a, a good amount about um sub, the different types of ai subsumption ai Gosh, I'm forgetting what they call Virtual them. Virtual NPC, Subsumption, and Quanta. Yeah, three there we go. Yeah, the, the levels. And the, the, the traits are what will drive them. And um, uh, if you um, if you haven't watched Astropub, Paul Shelley uh, go through the monthly report, he made a really good analogy, and I'm going to, I'm going to steal it because it's really worth repeating. If you've ever played um, 
a colony sim kind of like RimWorld, where you're managing your your colonists or, or your your city dwellers or whatever, and you click on them. They have different traits, and you know they've got positive and negative traits. Um, that's what this trait system is. But instead of it being in a strategy game, it's in an MMO. And so these different um, NPC characters are going to have traits that drive their decision making, whether it's the sort of large scale, like daily you know, decision making of, oh, okay, well, um, this trait drives me to be a cargo hauler and I'm going to go haul cargo versus, you know, if they get attacked by a pirate, you know, are they going to fight or are they going to run? You know, do when they are going to land their cargo hauler at New Babbage, are they an aggressive pilot or are they more cautious? You know, will dictate how fast or slow they fly, all sorts of things. And they'll be building in these different traits, um, you know, as they go. A lot of them are built as part of Squadron 42 as far as combat traits, but, you know, it's it's a systemic process that, you know, when they say that the... Uh, for me, when they say the core system has been implemented, that's that's a big deal. And it's also a big deal as far as signaling towards the development of quantum, the, the quantum packet. Uh, next paragraph, with the basis of the investigation behavior implemented, the team moved on to implementing group investigation, which involves sharing potential hiding locations between AI characters searching for the same target. This behavior is built from a token system that allows multiple AIs to collaborate by pooling resources and was developed with future use in mind. The generic shared data, in this case hiding location, can be specialized for specific uses. As the NPCs move around the room, they determine and share which hiding locations have been seen so that the other NPCs won't revisit them. From a simple implementation comes quite complicated results, with NPCs now moving to cover the room as you would expect them to do in real life. Um, this is, you know, a again, something that they developed for Squadron 42, probably, you know, uh, I remember them talking about doing it for the Vandal and, and that they're going to then, you know, copy pasta onto, you know, NPCs within the PU. Um, and, and it's going to be something that you're going to see all the time, depending on how you go about doing a mission. Uh, to go back to, again to last year's CitizenCon demo, when they went through that outpost in um, in Pyro, you know, they showed the, you know, you could go in there and you could just buy the, the you know the um, artifact or you could go in and betrayal guns blazing and you could do it that way or you can sneak in well if you're sneaking around um and you're not trying to attract attention but then you do attract attention based off of noise or or no light discipline something like that um, that's what's going to initiate these behaviors and this behavior is going to be dynamic based off of you know what is in the room as far as uh, cover and concealment, the size of the room, how many people, uh, how many NPCs are working together to cover the space. Yeah, it's a, it's not just a uh, copy and paste, one-time use, the same behavior over and over again. Um, and so it's going to, it's going to be different based off of it, a lot of different um, aspects within the, the scenario, the setting, which is just insanely cool to think about. Um, yeah, and when they, you know, because. He, when they talk yeah, about you're, you're not going to be able to um okay i'm going to do it the same way i did at the last bunker or the last outpost no that's not going to work it's you've got five npcs instead of three and you've got this cover over here instead of that cover you know yeah but when they talk about um the npcs sharing where they've looked i'm just like that's great but also that can be exploited 
if you know where they looked, that's where you want to hide because they won't look there again. And no other NPCs will look there because they've already told everybody, I looked over here. You guys don't need to check here. So you can exploit the very systems. And this is probably by design. The very systems that are making the NPCs more realistic will also make them very exploitable. Um, the, the token system is actually really interesting to me. And I'm, I'm not sure I have it entirely. Um, it's more like board game. Yeah, that, that's the kind of the way I was thinking it is um, it kind of like initiative. Mm -hmm. um, and also know, like how many actions you have. Yeah, act, yeah, initiative, action points. Uh, you know, if, if you do, you know, this action, you're limited. You know, it, it takes up this many points and you only have this many points left, mm -hmm. um, which is it's really interesting to think about the you know, that they use traits in order to drive character behavior for video games. They use you know all these different systems that are so you know um, common in tabletop you know role playing games that well, it, it's like oh my gosh you know that <laughs> well, yeah, playing these, a these tabletop RPG are... is the pinnacle of RPGs. Like there's a reason that a lot of the time when you try and convert that into a digital space, you, it's comes out rather bad because having a person at the helm, you can do literally anything and it makes sense. And you can have all of these different things, like actions that you wouldn't normally take work out within the game story or within the game engine, as it were, when you're writing the game, you have to write in every single variable to attempt to make sense. So that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get to a point where it's way higher, way closer to a tabletop RPG than anyone's gotten before, which is just another thing on top of what they're already trying to do. Yeah, instead of things that are just scripted, it's a, a dynamic thing, just like a, a dice roll is dynamic. You know, the dice roll interacting with, mm -hmm. um, you know, weighted traits, behaviors, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah, when I read about it, it's like, God, this is really cool. This is really interesting that they're doing it this way. And it, it will make it so much more interesting versus so many of those other games where if you've been in this scenario, you've already, you know, once you will see that same scenario again, you already know how to beat it. A, um, so moving on, uh, a new system related to both features was also implemented last month, the firing token. So they've got tokens for you know, searching, for investigation. They're also going to have one for the fire, you know, for um, firing, or especially in, in the context of a, a team or a fire team. Uh, when several AIs are targeting the same character and want to fire, they request one of a limited number of shared tokens. If they're successful, they will be able to fire. However, if there are no tokens available, they will not be able to fire and may consider alternative behaviors such as moving to cover. This allows the team to further control the pressure placed on the player while also generating covering fire behaviors as some characters will fire whilst others are moving. And that's a, a really great way to go about it too, in that you won't be able to know or predict based off of patterns when the enemy fire team is going to be, you know, when this one's going to be shooting at you and this one's going to be moving. You know, it's going to be randomized based off of, you know, token allocation, you know, and them requesting these tokens. And so um, that's something we actually practiced in the infantry was 
you didn't want to have it be a pattern that, okay, this person fires and then this person moves, you know, this person fires and this person moves. After two or three movements, the enemy is going to get it and they're going to know. And so when this person goes to fire, they're going to be aiming, you know, and ready for them and they'll pick them off or they'll know that this person, you know, they'll take cover from this person over here and be ready to fire on this person over here. Um, and so you have to be able to randomize it. And that's part of um, what squad leaders and team leaders do uh, is directing their team in order to, to you know, prevent predictable behaviors that the enemy can uh, exploit. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're going to be running into this system. It also prevents the, I've seen it a couple times where just every NPC on the map is firing at you at once for no good reason. <laughs> so when you when this is not fair, <laughs> when you have a group of NPCs now with this system, there will be a limited amount of you can fire at the player tokens. If you don't have one of these tokens, you're not firing at the player. You're either covering or finding cover, running for reinforcements, flanking something else. And then when an opportunity presents itself for that NPC to fire, they need to deprioritize a different NPC. Maybe he goes to reload. He lost his fire token. Some other some other guy picks it up. That way, while he's reloading, someone else is firing. And so it creates this dynamic mass or this dynamic team. It I would I cannot wait to see and compare it to um, the Bungie Halo uh, NPC because the Bungie Halos were amazing with what they did with squad mechanics, NPC squad mechanics could be good yeah good and, and realistic and challenging you know, yeah more challenging um the the kind of gameplay that you know gets your your palms sweaty and your heart you know thumping in your chest and, and this is another one of those things that will really drive you to um interact and play with others because it you know it will be difficult to overcome a half even a halfway decent squad uh, if they're doing this, you know, if you're just by yourself, you know, get good scrub or make friends. <laughs> <laughs> I choose make friends. Yes. I got his security was a security officer For me, and his really band of red choice? shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Need more red shirts. We're all out of red shirts. <laughs> um, oh. Let's see. So let's see uh, the traits were also implemented to suppress requiring the firing token in different ways the first is to ignore the firing token completely which means that the character will always be able to fire without reducing the number of available tokens which can be used for boss characters oh that's scary to think about <laughs> boss characters the second is to allow a specific ai to always get a firing token giving them firing priority without increasing the number of firing enemies and so this could be um you know, when it comes to behaviors and traits, um, the NPC that is carrying the, the light machine gun, um, you know, they are going to be, uh, have a higher likelihood of getting the firing token because that's their job. Mm -hmm. um, development of the AI perception system continued throughout August, ensuring that the escalation of threats in the perception meter can be controlled by tweaking the setup in Data Forge. And every time they talk about the perception system, it just makes me think of Skyrim. Thwok <laughs> <Walk> arrow. <laughs> Who goes? <laughs> hmm, must be nothing. Still got the arrow lodged in the <laughs> Yeah. Six, yeah. <laughs> A new Sixth Sense perception range was also developed to control gameplay when the player is sneaking up behind enemy characters. 
The perception meter not only allows the devs to generate gameplay for stealth kills, rather than stealth killing being an easy option, as the player must minimize the amount of time they're in close range before they're noticed. Finally, so I'm so glad somebody did that eventually. Yeah, no, it'll be, you know, you, it, the right now there's a lot of people that will go down and do bunkers with just their bare hands because perception for NPCs is so slow, or the reaction times are so slow. Well, the reaction times are going to be improved with uh, PES and server meshing because the server is going to have more available tick rates for NPCs to, you know, and their behaviors. So you're going to have correction of that. But not only that, the you're not going to be able to main, you know, sit in a NPC's blind spot, you know, acting like you're, you know, some sort of ninja, not making any noise with your medium armor and your grenades and magazines jangling. You know, when you get into that blind spot, you're going to have to be quick about taking them down because they're going to hear you moving, breathing, all that. I wonder if they're getting the closer they are. A noise trait to materials. Like, will there be. be a stealth undersuit as opposed to like the beacon one that's all like plasticky, uh, yeah, plastic leatherish? The, the, so when you the walk, latex. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you like move around, it would creak and like just like, hmm, I can hear. I you. can totally see that with a, a light armor, and um, it's got limited slots because the slots have extra material that holds things against mm-hmm. it, so it doesn't make noise or move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, the uh, on the animation side, AI features polished female human combat animations and created blockout animations for the improved sharp turn fa- functionality. They also continued polishing Vandal search and investigation missions, including animations. specific search locomotion animations. It's you know we remember how we talked about how the was I talking to you about it the uh, female character is at like version two and the male character is at like version seven. <laughs> um and it's just because the you know they, they they made the male character first for for whatever reason, you know. Um I don't even know if you can play a female character as the protagonist in Squadron forty two. I'm assuming that's a thing. I, I'm pretty sure the reason they that. got the character creator in when they did is because they needed a demo for Squadron. So yeah. I assume, like, even in the trailer, they don't show your character. There's a reason they don't show your character in trailers when they don't know what your character's going to look like. Mm-hmm. So I assume you will the, have the uh, full character creator in Squadron so you can play whoever yeah. you want to be, and the game will adapt accordingly. Yep. Um, and, you know, they are working on the female character, the female character model. Um, I think that we're going to jump from version 2 to version 5 uh, in in a big way um, versus you know them doing it more piecemeal i think they're doing a lot of it all at once and then they'll just dump it out yeah and you know here's the the, the current gold standard for the female character model and it makes and sense to animations it makes sense to develop on one of them to validate on one of them and then just yeah. polish the second one up to gold yep uh we men we were guinea pigs That's all <laughs> in this why do women we're live longer Shows GIF of men <laughs> running off a roof. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, they also continued polishing Vandal search and investigation missions, including specific search animations, locomotion animations. Yeah. You keep saying that. Um, oh, animations. <laughs> animations. Anime. Search um, and investigation. Animations. 
animations. Uh, the AI feature team have been hard at work developing lots of different features. This is partly due to the strong foundations of our AI code that were developed by spending a lot of time thinking about future functionality. You were just talking about this. As a team, we're, we've also grown and have been improving the communication between our team and the designers through shared language, documentation, and regular meetings. Through this, we've been able to take their vision and make it a reality. AI feature team. Back to you for AI tech. And I'm going to grab a bottle of water. All right. AI tech, the technical side of animation or AIs. Anyway, so AI tech continued to extend the implementation and implement and implement new functionalities for NPCs, traversal net traversing navigation areas. I can talk, I swear. One improvement allows for des allows the, the designers to specify the opening width of a door navigation link. Now NPCs use the entire width of a door, not just the center. Um, basically, they now two people can pass the same door. And if there's stuff in the way of the door, they can not try and target the center of the, the door. Uh, so it, it does help a lot, not just with the aesthetic, but with functionality. They also began extending ladder functionality so that AI characters can use them in similar ways to players. And we'll get back to ladders again later. Um, AI tech also pressed with the NPC movement refactor. Uh, we talked about that a little bit last month with the overlays and uh, different movement types and... Uh, walking speeds. Uh, further iterations were made on the MPC seamless transition prototype, which is going to bring the highest level of polish to this game that I think one will, will see in a long time. And my favorite, the assumption editor was opened up to more designers so that they so it could go through more intense and in-depth functionality or go through more intense intensive and in-depth functionality and performance testing. Yes. So that means we are very close. Like when they say given to more designers, they mean implemented into the dev branch. And the dev branch is the one that that they will branch off of to make updates. So is assumption coming in 318? I wouldn't be shocked, but I also wouldn't count on it. 4.0, much more likely. Basically, it's That's on what the... I've been Good. That's what I've been saying is that uh, we are a lot closer to a um, next level, larger, much, much larger implementation of quantum mm -hmm. in, in quantum AI uh, than people realize. Um, we haven't gotten an update on it, and it, which is kind of frustrating. But then again, it's it's that thing of, you know, we they update us when you know when they have something big to update you on, and I think we'll get a a bigger update not at citizen con but you know as we get closer to that patch whichever it is i think but we're, we're gonna get i think it was it's um, not on the list for citizen con but it's it's something that you we will see an isc and or or sorry we will see an scl and or iscs about this in the coming quarters i'd be willing to bet yeah um, i think it was last year citizen con yeah just the tony z video and then the yeah. uh was it dynamic mission not dynamic event system video um basically because we, the, they have it, the, it drives what we're going to be talking about for bounty hunting yeah and they're going to so. want at least a initial implementation of this before you know maybe not before but when when we get pyro in order to make pyro to be a much more dynamic experience than 
Stanton has been. Yeah, and I imagine all the people that are setting up the cities are really wanting consumption to work so that they can have living cities. Um, but in the in the last video, whatever the last video was for subsumption and NPCs, they mentioned that, or for Quanta, they mentioned that they have all the stuff they need. That is, like, Quanta basically is done. They just need the amount, to, they just need basically server meshing to be able to, not server meshing specifically, but server meshing-like technology implemented so that they can have the back end talking to the front end to actually do things. Uh, currently, in the current implementation of the servers, you don't have that back end talking to the front end. There's not a lot of communication. There's a little bit with the uh, base economy, and I think currently we have fuel and scrap. Fuel repair rearm. Oh, fuel repair rearm. A couple of. And then there's a. Wasn't there? It was the. the I know the refinery stuff is uh, driven by quantum now. And that, and that was their test. Um, so after that, they don't yeah. need to do anything more. They have validated the systems they need to. Now we just wait till they're done with it and they'll flip the switch and it'll be driven. I imagine they're also waiting for the rest of the MPC systems to be at an implementation state because um, the probability volumes, the virtual MPCs and assumption MPCs all lead back to the quantum and the quanta simulation or the quanta and quantum simulation as well as the economy simulation. So it might be that they're waiting to just put all of them in at once. That way, it's all up and running and it's there. Maybe. Um, a new feature for ship combat behaviors, ship pilots' perception, was extended to include vision alongside radar signals. This will allow AI ships to react to hostile characters on foot and engage them in combat. Ship to ground for AI. That's terrifying. <laughs> so this will mean, like, um, when you have reinforcement ships, that the ships can fire at you first and clear the LZ. That's terrifying. Uh, finally, AI tech continued developing and improving reinforcements and disembarking behaviors. Part of this involved allowing missions to designate points where the squad group will go and investigate in case hostiles aren't visible. And that was AI tech for the month. Back to you for animation. I'm interested to know yes. if the you know if the gunners on a ship will be able to target, you know, recognize and target ground targets. Your Valkyrie gunners, the steel gunners, um, you know, the, the ships that they're going to be using for these sorts of things. Um, when it comes to the the reinforcement part, you know, coming down and you know dropping on the LZ and dropping down reinforcements, providing covering fire, um, it, yeah, obviously it makes sense that the the pilot will be able to you know you'll have um, NPC pilots you know doing strafing runs um, and, and eventually they'll be bombing us. Oh God, uh, <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Morph is going to get triggered. Yeah, but. Um, you know, it, it's. I, I wonder if that's within the same vein that you know your your door gunner on your steel or your Valkyrie are going to be able to, you know, recognize, you know, see. Okay, the the pilot sees this target, so I know that that target's there. I can engage it as well because that would make for just you know a, 
talk about a a wicked cool behavior you know you're the you get strafed and as you're getting strafed you know in comes a a valkyrie or a steel and they do an orbit around you and are pounding you you know with suppressing fire until they come in and drop the troops like that's a you know oh god (laughs) and then the troops are are doing you know getting their tokens and tossing them back and forth so they can shoot at you and fire and move you know that's the kind of systemic combat behaviors that would just be just so insane that you know be a part of even just to watch yeah like yeah i wonder if they're gonna have a uh a kind of like the kind of like i guess geneva convention kind of thing don't don't you're not allowed to shoot at like medical personnel i wonder if they're gonna add something like that into the verse where even um outlaws will say no 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 no, no, no you're not allowed to shoot him I'll run around everywhere in my medic armor. <laughs> Please don't shoot me. <laughs> um, Even yeah. like, um, like camera, if they wanted like for specifically for the community to, if you are recording specifically like in the ships that are built for recording, um, like the, the uh, Reliant news van, like to have a token on that saying, do not shoot at them. They're trying to, you know, get some footage or whatever. Um, maybe implementing that into uh, into the system might be a really cool idea. And yeah, make an ear. Thank you so much for the subscri- subscription. Make an ear. I am I'm looking forward to the next time that we can get together and do some board gaming. Um, the facial animation team worked on a large set of life and mission animations. Life is really broad. Boy, they couldn't have been more. <laughs> More vague about that. More nebulous, even. Oh, jeez. On the body side, they followed the development of a new creature with the art and design teams and discussed the animation needs for when it's available. New creature makes me think it's unannounced, like not something we know versus the... um, what they're talking about in... um, Bias, or sorry, SEL the other day with the narrative team and the the this this little, might uh, have been written before that, so yeah, it could be one of the ones they talked about. It could also not be. When uh, when Paul was talking about it, and I don't know if you've listened to watch watch or listen to his uh, episode, but he he was saying he's like, well, wait a minute, that's the Ranta, and I'm like, there's no reason we couldn't have multiple, you know, isopods. Um, uh, or you know the Ranta could be the isopod. On, aren't they on the caves in Hurston? I don't remember if they're everywhere. Ranta, they're just everywhere. Ranta, are everywhere. yeah. But in very few like, places, it, they're not. It would make sense that we would have multiple species of little bugs that you know are harvestable or provide harvestables um, within you know the, the the caves and running around on planets. And so I don't think the I forget what they called the. The, the new one, Sherry Hybrid had the name for it, but I don't think that's a replacement for the Ranta. I think we're still going to have the Ranta. Yeah, they talk just, about the Ranta on the SEL. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're um, like little uh, pill bugs. Well, really big pill bugs, um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was for the P- uh, PU animation team uh, for Squadron 42 animation. Animation worked on usable first reactions, ensuring all usables have a reaction set assigned to them. They also usable first reactions. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they're calling it reaction versus like interaction. Like, you know, the, the first thing you do when you sit down and power on this terminal or um, open up this Maybe panel. it's a post-used animation. Mm, okay, yeah. The Okay, I did this and yeah. waiting for this to do that. You know, uh, whatever the usable is to respond to my input. Yeah. Uh, EVA and Zero-G were further developed with focus on attaching characters and moving through tight spaces on attaching characters. Oh, okay. For the uh, attaching to, to the zero G movement, put you know push and pull that sort of thing uh, that they've been talking about for a while. Work on helmet use continued, as did ladder improvements. Vandal searching for players, the chowline again, medical bed. So animations to go with the the behaviors we were talking about, um, and custom animation locomotion work progressed throughout the month or two. These or tasks were completed for worker facial animations and scenes including assets for the embed table. Oh, yes. <laughs> I now have a table. Uh, finally, yeah. Finally have a table to put my medicine on. Finally, while part of the team continued to solve mocap for their backlog, the majority worked on the stage build and prepping for narrative and marketing shoots. Oh. Um, and that is it for animation. Back to you, Nazareth, for character art. All right. I was trying to think like all the uh, different creatures that we now have in the works. Like in like what we know, we have the Vandal Dog, the Cave Spider, Oni Crab, the Ranta, the Ranta Amoebas, uh, not Amoebas, Isopod. We have Kazi Grazer, the Yeti. Um, we also have a con concepts for like a monkey, a bird, and a couple other things. Those were just concepts. Oh, and the the rock bug, whatever they're talking about on this deal. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of concept art that they've shown off in um, uh, jump points from way back. So they've got a large library of things that they could make, um, including I know there's and there's a lot of descriptions for different things that they mm -hmm. haven't actually drawn out, but the narrative team has outlined what they will be like. Yeah, um, and with. What is it called? The planetary navigation now online, and basically we're just gonna with once the was the character uh, the creature pipeline that they've been working on for the past few months, uh, finally gets on its feet and gets chugging along. We're gonna have probably have at least a creature per patch. It's gonna be great. I can't wait. All right, where are we at? Character art. Because yeah. the creatures don't have they don't need a lot of behaviors associated right. with them. A handful of key behaviors, you know, with their animations and and, and that's it. Yeah. They're basically I have the like the base the basic three. You got your hostile, your neutral, and your passive. Yeah. Hunt, forage, you know, <laughs> rest. Yep. Find shelter, stuff like that. Yep. So character art, the character art and tech teams continue developing collections of the frontier and high fashion outfits. Now, I'm pretty sure this is the first time they've mentioned the high fashion series of clothing. I remember, and I haven't remembered yet any time before this that they've mentioned it. So I don't think it's been in the monthly reports that I can recall, but I think they showed us some art a while back on an ISC of concept art for high fashion in Stanton. And it not, you're not talking about the microtech it, stuff, right? 
Because we've got yeah. the microtech stuff. Yeah, this is something different. Yeah. Um, so I'm very, very looking, very much looking forward to that. Uh, the Frontier one, sure, but I, I, I I'm from Terra. I want the Terra, the Terra look, and that's going to be mostly high end stuff. So I want to see it. Uh, they also prepared armor variants for upcoming security post Korea missions, which they talked about in several ISCs. Um, the subscriber program and AIE twenty nine fifty two, and as we heard last year, Jax McCleary will be back. So I can't wait. Last we saw, he was shuttling off in a Odyssey to the Pyro system. Hopefully, he's back and ready for a new ISC season. Um, on the concept side, they are currently exploring gameplay armor. Yeah, gameplay armors and creatures. On the concept side, they are currently exploring gameplay armors and... What is gameplay armors? I think that's um, armor. You know, we have the um, specific armors and backpacks for salvaging and mining. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get more of those. Oh, okay. yeah, oh yeah, 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 like, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, Things like that attach... specific armors. Um, yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> so. I, I know they're... They're working on the salvage specific backpack that is mm-hmm. supposed to basically like Ghostbuster attached to the industrial salvage tool yep. or something like that. I'm not sure how it's going to work. Um, and they have talked about a, a salvage themed armor variant. Yeah. Um, yep. And then, I don't, and then de- on the... Definitely a medic. Yep. They already mentioned that one. Uh, yeah. Actually, that's, that's really all they've talked about, so... Anxious to see more. Uh, on the Squadron 42 side, uh, they worked on armor sets for the Screaming Gelson's armor and the remaining Navy uniforms. They also worked on internal head scans and cleanup process, provi- uh, proving out the new pipeline using tools developed by the tech animation team. So again, proving out or finishing and working on pipelines. Very necessary. Yeah, they... they... Uh, maybe it was a couple reports ago they were talking about how they have improved their head scan process and they're mm-hmm. now able to process way more head scans and uh, better and faster. Take the D- yeah, make the, the DNA system more what they wanted it to be in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. And then with that, it's over to you for ship art. Ship art. Uh, let's see. Oh, Valentine Gaming already. You have a wonderful night and a great rest of your stream. Wish I could stay longer. Thanks for joining us while you could. Uh, we appreciate it. Hopefully, we will see you next time. Keep an eye out for announcements for the next stream, which will probably be next Thursday. Um, not upcoming Thursday, but the following Thursday after I get back home. The but uh, thanks for joining us, Valentine. Yeah, uh, you have a yeah. You you have a good night. Have a good one. Um, for Shipart in the UK, Shipart continued work on the Argo SRV, Go Argo, uh, which is progressing through Greybox with only habitation remaining. The final art pass, yeah, the when they showed that on ISC a few weeks back, was already looking really great. Uh, I just, God, I love the Argo aesthetic, and I can't wait to even get though, ones. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, they. They're they're very they're almost typecast into their size right now, and I'm I'm waiting for them to go big, because um, I 
they definitely should have bigger ships given their role within the verse. Yep. Pardon me, hiccups. I imagine. And even though we're good, I, I imagine we will be getting a whole C competitor eventually, specifically from them. Like there, there's few other companies. Maybe the Xi'an uh, Gatak, but Argo makes this make makes makes sense in lore. Well. Also, was it Crusader? Crusader and Argo, both near competitor to the whole the upper hull seas or upper hull series. Yeah, I think Argo would make a great manufacturer for a repair ship. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, far better than Anvil with the the uh, uh, Crucible. Yeah, with the Crucible, uh, and I think they would make a. Uh, an Argo um, base construction, outpost construction ship would be fantastic with their VTOLs and um, yeah. heavy lift capacity. Especially if it was the the ship that was the reason that the Pioneer exists. Because in the trailer for the Pioneer, um, it was mentioned that only corporations, big corporations, could afford to build bases with uh, that pioneer kind of tech. So it'd be nice if the the Argo version was the much bigger, much more expensive, much beefier, much more built out version that was only accessible to big corporations. So you had your entry base builder in the Pioneer, but then you had your giant org version in the Argo. Yeah, I would. I would almost kind of like it if the raft, or not, sorry, not the raft, the Argo version of that was the, the ship that uh, assembled and placed the modular outpost that we have in Stanton right now. That, you know, the, the colonialism outpost stuff is a more recent um, or smaller scale version of outposts, whereas the modular stuff would be hey, this is what Shubin uses, and they pick them up and, you know, and disassemble them when they're done and put them down somewhere else new when they move. You know, but this is what, you know, Shubin and a lot of other major corporations use for, you know, because they would totally go for the modular and non-permanent, um, op you know, uh, operations uh, buildings mm -hmm. versus a, hey, this is my, going to be my home. I'm going to be here forever until I die. Like you see at the outposts in in um, in Pyro and going forward, yep. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a good way of differentiating the two, um, but also differentiating them in a gameplay perspective. Hey, do you want a permanent base or do you want to set one down for the next six months yeah. while you're, you know, working in this area, and then you want to pick it up, disassemble it, put it in your cargo hold, and move it to another system. Yep. Uh, tangent, but. Yeah, I just love Argo. Uh, an unannounced ground vehicle passed its final review gate with some small alterations to the dashboard being made to improve the visibility of the speedometer alongside small polish tasks. Um, as far as I know, all ground vehicles have a speedometer, so that doesn't really narrow it down, although I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something for ground-based racing um, and more ground-based racing work coming out. Uh, but I also could totally see this <laughs> unannounced um, ground vehicle being the 
rock type equivalent to salvage with a salvage is a, a a tool or an arm thing that does not only you know it has a salvage beam but also um or a, a whole scraping beam but also has like a cutting tool and tractor attachment in order for hey i scoped scraped the hole off now i'm going to pull this section off and put it into my cargo you know behind me sort of thing um with some small dot alterations to the being made to the dashboard uh, or to the dashboard being made to improve the visibility of the speedometer alongside small polish tests so it final review gate so um it could be something that they release as part of CitizenCon. Uh, it could be something they release with a, you know, 3.17 patch, you know, another update of 3.17.2. It could be something that they sit on until 3.18 is ready with salvage. We don't know. I, I don't think there's no 3.17 coming. Yeah, I don't think it'll be another 3.17.3. Uh, no. I think, if anything, it I, might be another Didn't they say they already branched it? Didn't they say um, they already branched 18? Yeah, no, they have a, a branch. Going. Yeah, so so we're not getting another 17. If they branched 18, then yeah. that's what they're working on. Um, the resource management pass on the Aegis Hammerhead continued. Uh, finally. <laughs> so so cool. So cool. It's going to be... It, just on, on the Hammerhead scale will be just crazy mm -hmm. and so much fun doing the research management work, but also the engineering gameplay. Um, but even on smaller ships, with the whole A being the first one to get it, that's going to be you know, make you know, using your ships that much more different and interesting and dynamic. It'll be nice when um, uh, Carrick is very hard to control without more people in it. So people can and being able to use resource management to optimize what you're doing. Yeah, but it's also um, gonna it's also gonna hurt you if you're not managing it. Yeah, yeah, you'll have increased wear and tear. And, I, I'm you know, I'm very much age. looking forward to the time when big ships need big crews, so people can stop just using them as daily drivers for single player gameplay and just falling over all of them just for no good reason. I'm not salty about the Carrick winning at all. I like the idea of uh, resource management, like with the whole A being mm -hmm. the first one to get it, using the resource management in order to um, get better speed or better fuel economy uh, or, or better lift capacity out of your ship based off of using your, you, know, you can leave it on you know normal, but being able to tweak the settings and, and move things around and, and um, you know, shunt power from one space to another in order to get your ship to perform better for the given situation, yeah, that's really going to make the make the mark of a pilot, regardless of what that pilot is doing. It's also the like foundational cornerstone of changing from time to kill to a time to disable. Yep, faux show. Or as um, what did, what did uh what did what did Ray call it? Um, oh, BTD versus BT W. Oh gosh. W. What yeah. did the W stand for? Wreck. Yeah. B boom. And boom to death or boom, boom to wreck. Yeah. Boom to death. Yeah, or instead of having a catastrophic wreck. ship dismantling explosion, you have a large explosion and then your power goes down, lights go out, thrusters you know shut down, and you're disabled. Yeah. Um, 
but you, you won't have this big old explosion uh, where the, the ship, you know, it'll be rare to have that big old explosion. That's a catastrophic explosion. You know, something uh, untoward happened. You know, the your power plant um, lost containment. You're carrying a caterpillar full of hydrogen. <laughs> yeah, your uh, magazine full of torpedoes, um, you know, cooked off because you took a, a rail gun round to the center of it. If you haven't watched that video, it's it's his newest one, right? Yeah. Ray's Guide? Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was really well done and really interesting. Ray's Guide always does a good job with his videos. He's, you know, really well thought out. Um, you know, production value isn't through the roof, but his research is. Yeah. Uh, and there's a handful of ones that are just it, absolute genius. One of his fav my favorites from his is um, when he talks about making the Lagrange point stations more interesting and, and making them more uh, the, their function tailored to their location, based off of where they are, you know, and what Lagrange point. But yeah, go check out uh, Ray's guide. Tell him that we sent you. Um, the uh, they also with the uh, hammerhead work, um, they're adding a new gravity generator room. I want to know where are they putting the room. Uh, they have a lot of space. There's actually a lot of dead space in that thing because it was yeah. supposed to be a small ship, like a large ship technically, and then they added a second floor to it. There's a lot of unused space because they basically just scaled the exterior. And so there's just so much void space. They have a lot of stuff they can do uh, with yeah. rooms and things being put into the... the uh, It'll the be interesting head. to see where they put it. I'm still going to hold out hope that they fill in the hole and, and put something in there. They're not filling like, in the you hole. Know, an, an armory. <laughs> they're not filling in the hole. Because there, there is not a single gun rack uh, in the hammerhead. I can't believe that. Like, I can't believe they did that. What well, I'm pretty sure like that was the last, uh, the last casualty of not having great, um, concept work before you start your ship. Yeah, well, the the rest of the design of the ship I think is pretty dang good. You know the the flow of it mm -hmm. and the functionality. You know it's, but it, it's a glaring hole for a ship like that with a big old docking collar, um, to not have an armory you know and gun racks and you know you've got only a handful of suit racks you know but yep. those are more like eva suits and i, I imagine when whoever <laughs> makes their competitor to the hammerhead their their trail is gonna be really easy look a ship that's actually built for what it's used for <laughs> yeah uh work on the misc hull c uh continue too with progress being made on the outstanding issues on the ship um and so I'm, I'm going to go back to, there's a couple of roadmaps ago. We pointed this out. The A couple of roadmap updates ago on the shinytracker.app page with the, the Delta, mm -hmm. the Delta report or whatever it is. They updated the end of the sprint, the end of the, the sprint work for both the Corsair and the whole seat in the same update. And they both got updated and pushed back to November 10th. Um, and they both have all their downstream work scheduled, you know, and they're both being mentioned in the monthly reports with lots of um, <clears throat> progress, you know, wrapping up the ships, you know, bringing them along. We'll get in that in the next paragraph. 
I'm going to bet money that the whole seat is coming out with IAE and 318. I think IAE is going to release, or sorry, 318 is going to release just before IAE, and we'll see IAE with 318. Makes sense. I think they're going to cut, yeah. I think they initially planned for IAE to be a 318.1, and now with all the delays, it's just going to be 318. And it's they're also going to end up cutting short the uh, PTU time in order to get it that far. Um, and it's probably going to be a bit messy, but I think it'll still be worth it. And we will get probably a 318.1, if not a .2, before the end of the year. Because they, you know, the, they'll just continue to have PTU patches um, running alongside the the live branch um, in order to put out .x patches. You know, so that way we have something relatively stable and performative before the holiday break. Um, but IAE, just like in typical IAE fashion, is going to be uh, a bit messy <laughs> um, with with new PES and probably higher player counts. Uh, yeah, and everything else that goes with it. So prepare yourselves. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, the U.S. team continued working and moving the Drake Corsair through final art. Last month, they completed the left and right nacelles, upper and lower port wings, spine, cockpit, co-pilot, co co-pilot cockpit exteriors. That was that um, sneak peek that we got in the weekly uh, newsletter. Uh, Spine-mounted turret. Uh, cheek mounted turret, spine mounted turret. Is that the ones that are on the neck on the left and right? No, spine is the center. Is that the one that's towards the rear on the back? Yeah, that would be a spine. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, landing gear and landing gear housing. They're currently polishing the exterior. That's why we saw all of this stuff in ISC because that's what they're doing. Um, they're currently polishing the exterior with the cargo hold and land loading ramp now complete. They also supported the Drake Vulture as it approaches release. Uh, it's interesting that I said the Drake Vulture's coming out, uh, approaching release, but the Corsair's not? Well, I think... Oh. Hmm. No, they wouldn't release the Drake Vulture ahead of 3.18. No, no, I'm saying the Vulture, ha yeah. the Vulture is tied to 3.18. We know that. Yeah. The course and the whole C, that them not mentioning that they're Maybe not they just mean that approaching it's, release. The Drake Vulture is closer uh, to release ready, whereas the other ones still have a month plus work of work. A month, well, this is last month. Hmm. So maybe you know. it's because the Vulture's on the release view and possibly pessimistically. It could be that the Corsair and Halsey were going to be held till uh, three nineteen. That could be true. Yeah. So uh, there's options. Yep. We shall see. Uh, and that brings us back to or brings us to community. Uh, back to you, Nazareth. And I have to say, I love that picture uh, <laughs> with Brian Chambers and Aaron Roberts and all those happy citizens. This is in. Is it? Do you think this is in? Um, is Brian Chambers in the UK, or this yeah, this has got to be in the UK. Cologne, somewhere. yeah, this was Cologne, Germany. Oh, okay. What? So this is for what is it? Gamescom. Uh, it could have been Gamescom. 
Uh, that is where Gamescom is held for sure. Yeah. Ah, Jared was there too. Sweet. Yeah. Well, and you can see, um, is it, uh, what's his first name? His last name is Josivius. Uh, Jason Josivius? Above... Is it Jason? Yeah. I want to say it's a J. You can see him above Aaron Roberts behind him. <clears throat> He's one of my favorite devs. He's the one who did the, um, the initial pitch for resource management with the, nice. um, with the, uh, hammerhead two years ago. And that's, you know, I, I've been super interested in it ever since. And he always, he's worked on a lot of the, the features and, and gameplay pieces that I, I'm really interested in. And he has an interesting accent. Nice. All right. So the community team began August supporting alpha three seventeen point two live release with a detailed guide to the Siege of Origin dynamic event and accompanying screenshot contest. On August 15th, they launched Phase 1 of the Ship Showdown, currently in the semi-finals with the uh, Carrick pulling ahead of the X-Wing, uh, what's it called, Scorpius. Um, and then tomorrow we'll have the MSR versus the Pisces. I w I'll go for either one. <laughs> They're both great ships. Um... And then day after that, we'll have the winner of both today and tomorrow head-to-head -to, -head to see who the best in show is. And currently, there's free fly going on, so go check that out. Uh, the team also continued its Bar Season World Tour and stopped by Coloma Gamescom. Yeah, it's right there, Coloma Gamescom. Um, I can't wait till we actually have not only regular um, events again, because Gamecom is kind of like their stomping ground. Um, that's where they started. Um, but also, like, I think next year, like, what was the thing? My brain shut off for a second. Uh, when we get towards the launch of Squadron, I imagine they'll be making their rounds to all of these conventions, as many as possible, to um, publicize Squadron coming out. So, and... It'll, it'll be a nice reminder to the world that, hey, yeah, we've been working on this since 2012. It's finally releasing now. Because I mentioned a lot of people have heard about it. And when they hear I that forgot. it's done, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a thing. It's finally releasing. That's cool. Well, let's go see what it is. So I imagine next year, year after that, they will be going to a lot of events. And I hope to at least get to one. It, like, start a CisenCon at the very least. I'm not in Germany, so games come a little farther away, but maybe some PAXs or something like that. Anyway, um, community team. At yeah, at two well-attended bar citizen events, we met many old and new friends, distributed more banner cube codes among the attendees. Thanks for attending citizens, the community team. So they're doing a thing. I don't know if they're going to be continuing it after the world tour's over, but they're giving away... Uh, in-game items at these bar citizens um it's just a cube it's only a little aesthetic thing it doesn't do anything um uh, but it's just a in-game recognition that you attended a bar citizen that devs were at so i think it's cool mostly it, it's it's basically sub flare it does almost nothing or it does nothing um uh, but it's just kind of like a little token for attending and i really like it um and that is all from the community team it's actually quite a slim month for the community team um, though they did a lot of work, uh, I guess back to you for Cinemax. I will be right back.
for cinematics, and this is the um, Squadron 42 side. <clears throat> At the beginning of the month, cinematics completed the implementation work for major sequences in chapters 1, 5, and 7. Uh, this included lengthening the opening shot of the campaign. The Vandal movement style was also finalized, and prior blockouts received more fluid motion and precise timing. Adjustments were made to a few scenes on the Javelin Bridge, which was recently lengthened for FPS combat. Oh, they lengthened the Javelin Bridge. Uh, further work went into timing of a large weapon, too. Timing of the weapon. Oh, I wonder what that could be. Uh, for Chapter 5, further work was done on a tram ride. <clears throat> and that must be the probably the tram on Archon Station, whichever it is, the one that we saw um, in the, the teaser trailer years ago. Um, Nazareth did a, a deep dive because we might have Archon Station and Shubin Station, you know, or it might be one. We're not quite sure. Um, uh, other work involved a mining tick landing and walking to be uh, to be unloaded. We saw a sneak peek of that in that same trailer. A meetup with a friendly character, an elevator ride, and a tram accident. Um, I would bet that the meetup with the friendly character is uh, uh, what's that actor's name? He was in the original Wing Commander way back when, a pretty famous British actor, but he is the one who you see in the clip, and he's wearing like the sort of uh, pilot leather jacket with the patches. John Reese Davies? Dang it, what's, what's that? John Reese Davies? Yeah, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks. Mm -hmm. I always get his, him confused with the captain of the UAS Stanton. Um, I thought the captain was. I always forget that actor's name, and I want to call him John Rice Davies, but it's not. Oh no! no, no. Who's the? He's the guy who played the Onion Knight in Game <laughs> of Thrones, um, and he's been in a bunch of other, you know, Brit movies uh, and TV shows. Um, a scene in Chapter Seven received polish, would include which included a lot of smaller details. These included handcuffs, ooh, kinky, uh, a multi-tool folding out and cutting. I wonder if that's the military multi-tool they're talking about. And the handing over of a med pen that required a small amount of new code from the Squadron 42 feature team. Usually when creating scenes with characters grabbing, unholstering, giving, or using items, we aim to solve it with proper systemic implementation. So the actor, actor action track in the sequencer, tells the character to actually unholster the item, grab it, then hand it to hand it over to the other character. In this scene, we had the added difficulty of a stocked weapon being held while giving the med pen. Oh, okay. Um, in this instance, the user action confused the giver and given hand, so we often ended up handing over a rifle instead of a med pen. <laughs> Help me, I'm bleeding. Here, take this. <laughs> Uh, a small fix to specify left and right hands for both oh giver God. and receiver fixed this. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty entertaining. Can you imagine how many Can times? Can you give me a med pen? Like that clip Here. got shared. Yeah, that clip got shared across like the, the Oh, man. Um, how I do imagine we fix that this? spread quick. 
Um, the person you were thinking of was Liam Cunningham. There we go. Thank you. I pull up IMDb. Yeah. So. Uh, the team also further work on Chapter 11, which needs multiple destruction set pieces. Uh, I think this is that scene that they're talking about with the, you know, the significant destruction scene, like a, a previous report recently. <clears throat> so the VFX team provided sophisticated Houdini authored simulation destruction CGAs that can house up to a, uh, up to a thousand debris pieces. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and still run relatively lightweight versus a typical brute force Alembic cache. They were then uh, uh, added alongside adjusted camera and timing shots to frame the scene. Uh oh, something important is blowing up. Mm -hmm. um, before we go back to your favorite, the engine, I noticed in the community team, they didn't talk about the, um, the hub. Yeah, the, the community hub, which they've been working on and it was supposedly close to release and, you know, it either pulled a, a um, iCache. Or they just have <laughs> they just have nothing to show for, or nothing nothing yeah. concrete to show. They're just like it's just not quite ready, work. and they're waiting for support from somebody to finish something. Yeah, um, that, that that's what they said last month. Like they were working, and they need to wait for support from what is it, behavior, whatever whoever no turbulent not behavior turbulent behavior is, behavior is gone. Not bad. They just didn't. They they finished their work, didn't they? Ilphonic bad behavior. Ilphonic very bad. <laughs> uh, Lying with live faces—that's what they. Uh, mm, yeah. Wow. They they learn CIG learned some hard lessons growing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Growing up—that's the right way to put it. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yes, engine team. Now, I did cut out a lot of just the jargon that made no relevant sense to normal people. Um, so, I'm, if you want, like, full read-throughs, there are people who do full read-throughs. We like defining what's actually in front of us instead of just reading through it. Um, so, the physics team continued code optimization... Code optimization. I can't read anymore. Uh, significant load time and memory consumption... Um, reduce. I don't. I I read that. I wrote that. I those are good improvements in load times and memory use. So there we go. That's how I was supposed to write it. Also, representing queue processing was sped up significantly again. Um, that's when a, something has to move in the world, really getting the position of it or telling other items where the position is. That's what that means. Um, a change was made to separate out the movement and subsequent awakening to distinct phases so work can be efficiently processed in parallel. It's a big thing that they focused on this month is parallel parallelism. Yep, nope. Uh, parallelism. Gosh dang. Um, brushes no longer awaken their environments when, spawn, when they spawn in, are repositioned, or are deleted. This has reduced stalls significantly and as are as they are no longer storms of brushes being spawned in or destroyed. On the renderer, the transition to Gen 12 continued with numerous render nodes, render node types poured over to the new APIs. Uh, the RTT or render to texture Gen 12 pipeline was enabled by default, which means in the next patch, 318, uh, are all RTTs will be handled by Gen 12. 
uh, MIPMAP generation, cloud tech processing, and forward, forward and tiling forward. I don't know why it says and forward and forward. Uh, rendering were transitioned to Gen 12. Uh, support and tr for transient graphics rendering, renderer pass, was added, which various render subsystems already take advantage of to simplify code. I didn't look up transient. Uh, the co compilation, yeah, compilation of completion, yep, no, compilation of fallback pipeline state objects cache was optimized by following, by allowing for more parallel execution. So again, parallel, parallel, parallelizing. Yeah. Um, basically, letting your CPU or GPU do more tasks in parallel. That's a big thing with Gen 12 and these new APIs and just getting the game to run not just on a single core because CPUs have multiple cores and that they can use now. Uh, the Gen 12 port of atmospheric rendering was complete. Yay! We've only heard about that for like a year now. Um, work then commenced to further improve the rendering of volumetric clouds. So in addition to it already being implemented on the core engine, the team implemented a more co cooperative threading approach. Again, multi-threading, parallel, parallelize. Uh, instead of an update thread that utilizes, or the cooperative threading approach, instead of the update thread that utilizes parallelism of, yeah, parallelism of call, calling code to update different zones at the same time. I can't do parallel, parallelize at all. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I don't set that one back up. Um, let's see. The NC lifetime changes introduced last month received further improvements. Uh, the entity components were switched over to use the new custom weak point implementation that was sub submitted in July. So more improvements. Uh, finally, several legacy systems for profiling were moved from the removed from the engine, and support was given to three eighteen in and DPU. So just basically a ton of optimizations and render or Gen 12 being significantly more implemented than it was. Um, there's not a lot of additions this month. There's a lot of optimizations, not a lot of additions, which is really cool to see. I, I, I hope some month soon within like the end till before the end of next year, there's a month report that is only optimizations because at that point we'll know that they have a stable engine <laughs> and by stable i mean like one that's not changing they won't have to update something engine side um <clears throat> obviously there will always be improvements they can make and that's what that team will switch to the engine teams will switch to when they are done implementing things so they will much like concept artists will always be employed this engine team will always be employed finding where they can eke out 1%, 2%, 10% more power out of this CryEngine 2 that is Lumberyard that is now not Lumberyard that is Star Engine. Yeah, well, and how to you know integrate new technology yeah. um, into the into the or the, the game engine being able to utilize it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see. And then back to you for Arena Commander feature team. So the the Arena Commander feature team doesn't have a lot this month, <clears throat> but it's it's stuff that's important. 
and interesting because it, it, the more that they get done for Star Marine and Arena Commander themselves, the more that is um, applied to the theaters of war experience for its eventual release. Um, and it will eventually be a thing. It is not dead. They've told us that many times. Yeah. We know that it's not dead. They're, it they're is just, just waiting on network and backend improvements along with support from the Arena Commander feature team to make it the experience that they want it to be before they release it. Yeah. They don't want to release Theaters of War before it's ready like they did Arena Commander and Star Marine. Yeah. And, and then have to go back and with, with Theaters of War, even though they they will rely on it for testing the uh, collision between ships and infantry, uh, it's much more about the gameplay. It's much more about what gameplay they, they're bringing to the table with it. And if anyone's played Star Marine in the past few patches, it's much better than previous patches, for sure. It's by no means a good experience. Like, if you're going to play Star Marine, you might as well go play Halo. It's just you just might as well go play it. Like yep. it's it's a very similar experience. Um Star Marine does have a, a lean towards the realistic side, less the gamey floaty side like Halo does. Um and I'm I'm just saying because Halo's free, that's the right reason I'm using it. Because it's free and you already have Star System. Obviously that's why. Okay. Um so it's it's a lot clunkier to play Star Marine and they don't want to bring all of that stuff they don't want that they already have and just copy-paste all that, that junk to a new game mode and say, here, let's split the terrible experience up over even worse experiences. <laughs> so they're holding it back, and it it, it is hard, but it is, prob- it is the correct decision. Yeah. But we're all here be, waiting for CIG. Whenever you're to be, yeah, there are more things to be added to the game with that we will see in the PU that will then be added in the theaters of war before it gets released. So that way theaters of war releases as a more complete and functional experience <clears throat> when it does, instead of, um, this is just a test bed and, you know, it, uh, before the PU, no, where, where it's going to be a, a thing that benefits from the PU as well. Um, and they'll use it for balancing purposes, but, they're not going to implement it as an incomplete game mode, which it would be right now, given what we have in the PU. Um, so the the section goes, the Arena Commander feature team progressed with improvements to both Arena Commanders and Star Marines front-end player experience. So this will make finding matches and connecting to other players a more rewarding experience. Uh, additionally, map improvements are in the works following community feedback. For example, in Dying Star, the smoke cloud has had its Opacity reduced and the ash particles were made smaller and less obtrusive, greatly reducing the overall glare and the level of increasing visibility. Yeah, it was really bright, especially <laughs> with the other improvements that they've made with Gen 12. It's like, oh, yeah, this looks great, but holy crap, it's bright. I can't see anything as soon as I turn in this direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're currently investigating using the in-progress radar and scanning improvements. So they the in-progress radar and scanning improvements, it's on the progress tracker we've been tracking these for a while they've been giving us little hints and tidbits about it um if they're investigating using them it means that they are far enough along that they can you know test these pieces out they might even be in the dev branch 
um, to the point where, you know, hey, the other teams can take a look at this and see, okay, how do we go about implementing um, this within the game mode of Arena Commander? The FPS so, scanning one is actually due to be done at the end of the month. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, so the in-progress radar and scanning improvements to show gas cloud and asteroid locations that players can use to hide it. Uh, UI enhancements were also made to radar and scanning to help players look for targets and perform scans. Finally, bugs for the team's upcoming releases were addressed. Cool. Upcoming releases. Upcoming. <laughs> so they do have stuff in the works um, that they are bug testing right now. Uh, but that's it. Back to you for character and weapon features. All right. The team visited or revisited ladder service. Oh, there's that ladder again. <laughs> Adding support Ladder's for. <laughs> yep. Uh... If you don't want to die on an elevator, you take the ladder. Yeah. Um, this is where I will point to the Carrick every time. Anyway, adding support for the entering and exiting of ladders at midpoints in the Carrick, there's a door on the second floor you can't access because you can't get on and off the ladder in the mid part. Um, so that a single ladder can have sev- can service multiple floors. Ta-da! Carrick can be used now. Um, while extending the feature set. Uh, the team... Uh, yeah, the team felt it made sense to allow players to jump from the ladder in the direction they are looking. Cool! I like this a lot. A lot of games don't get that far. A lot of games don't get that far. Um, I know, specifically Space Engineers, I know it's more of a, a sandbox game. Um, but once you start a ladder animation, you can only get off at the top or at the bottom. There is no anything you can do in the midpoint. Um, these either hold up or hold down. So being able to look around, being able to get off and on, and being able to jump from the ladder, those are not small things. Um, most games don't use those. Um, I've been waiting for that with the carrot for a very long time. Yes. Now, where are my stare, stare animations? Give them back. Um, <laughs> alongside early exploration into allowing item usage, such as weapons, while on ladders. So on top of everything they're doing, even more functionality to ladders. Um, it's not necessarily not necessarily that they're trying to make ladders like a focal point of gameplay. It's just making sure that they are consistent with the gameplay they already have. So if you can use a gun in, a, in an elevator on stairs, you can jump out, out of an elevator. If it's moving, you can jump off stairs. It would make sense if you could also use a weapon and jump off a ladder. Just consistency. And also, I'm just thinking about like all the, the Jeffrey's Tube type things where you go up the ladder in order to access this and you need to use this tool to repair this or you know uh, diagnose that um i or, i really or hope move this or that that especially javelin and up let's even yeah javelin and up ships lean heavily into the jeffrey's tube aesthetic because i know there's a lot of vehicle team members that hate the idea of jeffrey's tubes um yeah i, hope. I like it it makes sense guess what on navy ships we have ladders what do you have jeffrey's tubes yeah well, I mean, we have we have stair. There are stairwells in mm-hmm. the on ladder world stairwells, but then there are also vertical ladders as well through you know through smaller access tubes, you know, and, and to get up and down in certain areas. Yeah. And it, like, I think it what makes they, sense. They should really the do take up a ton of space. Is they yeah, should they get damaged? 
Yeah, they should set aside specific um, manufacturers, ship manufacturers, for specific um, tailoring to fandoms. Um, so, just to pick randomly, uh, picking Misk for Star Trek. And so, when you go at a ship, you say, what kind of gameplay are the Star Trek people wanting to have in their ship? And most Star Trek people will say Jeffrey Stoops. I'm just saying. Um, Blizzard says they're all small enough. They belong to whomever is in them. Just <laughs> That's great. Nope, they're all his. All Jeffrey's tubes are Jeffrey's. You cannot take them away from Jeffrey, or um, you will be visited by a giant black creature with a mouth within a mouth, if you know what I mean. Um, Actually, Jeffrey is the, the name of the species of alien that occupies Jeffrey's tubes. Oh, that's terrifying. They live, they live within the tubes, and they, they get their energy from conduits and things like that, and un, uh, unawares uh, starmen, you know, or star people, whatever you want to call them, uh, can be attacked by a, a very territorial Jeffrey's beast <laughs> or Jeffrey Jeffrey's odd animal thing. It's terrifying. I'll pass. <laughs> uh, let's see. The team also performed much-needed cleanup on the actor rotation handling. The team has been working to simplify the update flow ensuring limits are only applied once and always in the correct order uh previous to this work there was i didn't write down but there were several different versions of rotation for a single character for the player character and they all had different workflows they all work completely differently so they were basically squishing those down in as much as possible to make work better and work more consistently uh, work also went into removing special cases whenever possible, as well as improving how inputs translate to these different rotations. So they couldn't get rid of them, but they wanted to make sure that they were uh, consistent as much as possible. And that was all that weapon or feature character and weapons actually had. So back to you for gameplay feature. And that, that last sentence, the the in the paragraph the latter also meant improving the rotation input flows from client to server especially for head tracking devices mm -hmm. um i hope i'm assuming that applies to like toby as well yep i i really enjoy using my toby if you don't have one um, and are considering it i can't recommend highly enough it takes a little getting used to but man the experience is a lot of fun I, but I, it is it it I does hope, have a bit of a little bit of lag. i i hope they don't leave face tracking by the wayside. I hope it wasn't just a gimmick thing, because I've used it. It's if if I didn't have glasses, it'd be great, but it's okay. Um, yeah. it does get hung up on glasses with eyebrows, um, and eyelids, but it not only is it a good feature for just MMOs in general, but when we get VR implemented, they will probably most of them most viewers will have face tracking it it's a good feature it's a really good feature and i really hope they they update it sometime soon some, yeah some form of implementation now so that they can keep up with it in the future because it's not a technology that is gimmicky and going away right it's going to become it, it might 
be a little bit more slow on the uptake as far as implementation and usability and you know the, the user population but it's not something that you know oh it makes the experience that more much more immersive it's not going to go away yeah <laughs> but that's not going to be something that gets dropped like a, a bad habit yeah um, gameplay features for the PU. Gameplay features continued with resource network work. Yay, with relay items for the Hammerhead and Hole A being updated to align with the vehicle content team's work mentioned above. They then looked into the setup of the Crusader Ares and other similar sized ships. That's awesome that they're, you know, they're, they're doing this for the Hammerhead and the Hole A. They're already looking at the next ships that they're going to be doing it for. So this is something that they'll be rolling out a lot more quickly than people realize. <clears throat> what I'm curious about is I, I look forward to seeing how the implementation works of uh, you know not only can you have the you know the relays themselves damaged or removed you know um, you know knocked out in one way shape or form but will damage be systemic in that the pipe system gets damaged in between relays and that you have to somehow repair the pipe system as well um, that'd be cool that, because obviously it would be kind of weird if you've got a hole, a gaping hole in your ship, and there's still resources being transferred through the relay system um, and the, the resource network through that hole. Uh, but that's what I, I'm looking forward to seeing is, you know, yeah, in the, the ships where you wouldn't necessarily be able to visualize it, okay, that's one thing because you can't repair that in the field. You just have to circumvent it until you can get back to a station, you know, or a, a crucible. But for ships like the Hammerhead, you know, can you, you know, replace the conduit between the two relays, you know, the resource relays? Um, you know, yeah, there's still a whole bunch of damage there, but can you at least run the conduit pipe, you know, like a modern day electrician, you know, and just say, oh, yeah, everything flows through that and it's connected here. <clears throat> uh, a solution was also found for smaller items that connect to a ship's power like coffee machines and small lamps. Super cool, because that's customization um, and all the different little interactables that they're making, you know, the interactables team, you'll be able, that are powered, you'll be able to put these in your ship and run them off of ship's power. And I hope that eventually we'll be able to tie your ship's power system into things outside. Like you want to set up lights or, or some other sort of, you know, system needing power and you'll be able to, you know, okay, I'm going to plug into, you know, the inverter <laughs> in my ship uh, and have my ship's power running these things that are going on at my temporary camp. Yeah, I would, that would be really cool. I would imagine because they mentioned, I don't, I think it was on the ship, the Q&A, uh, uh, um, that it's basically just wireless energy, which we have today. Um, your phone probably uses it if you have wireless charging. Um, there's a Samsung wireless charger where you can just hook up your phone and place your phone anywhere in the room. It's basically a coffee table that just wirelessly charges anything. Um, so we have the tech already. It's really cool that they're using it uh, for ships and outposts. Basically, if you have a, a device that takes energy, let's say a lamp, walk in your ship. I don't know if it'll be like a pairing thing or if it'll just work. I assume it'll just work because pairing would be obnoxious. Basically, you just walk in your ship, turn on the light, and it works. Super yeah. cool. So I, I would imagine you would have a device, let's just call them generators, even though we're not going to use them as generator, but that would hook into your ship and create the field 
of power from your ship's power. Electricity via Bluetooth. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not it's, Bluetooth, it's, Bluetooth. It's, it's more microwave, point, but yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but that's what I meant. makes you think that if you walk in between the ship and your device, you're going to get your brain cooked or something. So for some, I don't know exactly why. I looked into this once, but I've forgotten. It does not cook you, unlike microwaves do, like the microwave, microwave on your counter does. But wireless energy, I don't know if it's just low enough or it's scattered enough. It can charge your phone, but you're fine. I don't know why. Yeah, it's not like those riot control devices that they've got, you know, that will basically make your skin feel like it's on fire. Ooh. Yeah, back to <laughs> gameplay features. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> um, this will also be utilized in the upcoming Colonial Outposts. Again, Oops. super cool. If the outpost has power you know, which you're going to have to maintain via the resource system and the relays, then your devices inside your outpost will have power. It's the being able to do that in a temporary manner, set up your generator, run it off your ship's power plant. That's something that I would think would be really cool, um, you know, for, for, you know, hey, I'm going to be here for a day or two, and I need to set up this equipment to do this job. Um, and then we'll we'll pick it back up, put it in my cargo bay. It'd also be cool uh, if there were very specific ships that had an external port. Oh yeah, like yep, to do, a... like maybe a um a Gladius wood and a Nomad wood, but maybe not a like a three hundred I because that's supposed to be nice and sleek. And no no extra ports. Very Apple yeah. like no extra ports. Um, <laughs> but the like I would even say like an Aurora wouldn't have an extra port on it. Because it's it's supposed to be the cheap thing, not extra features. Yeah. So a nomad would because it's supposed to be like that very campy kind of way, and the gladius would because it's supposed to be any scenario you have an option. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think it'd yeah, be really like, cool you know, if they had my truck. I paid extra so that I had, um, you know, one ten volt power plugs in the bed of my truck in order to power things. Off of my truck and you know an inverter. Exactly, you know, exactly it, like that. It costs me extra. You press a little button, and sweet. Now I've got the I mean I have the ability to power things outside. Nice. You know? Yeah. Because um, yeah, I definitely like the idea of being able to set up camp, you know, especially if you're doing it for a job. Mm-hmm. You know, or it's a hey, this is something I need to do with hand tools, or I need to run power down into this cave in order to do this thing down here or other underground facility. Yeah, that's the the those are really fun interactables that you can use, you know, and you can carry around in the cargo hold of your ship to be able to do those sorts of things. <clears throat> uh, work on life support was finalized and it's now Oops. awaiting downstream support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to lock you in here and I'm going to turn off the air and see, tell me what I want to know. In the meantime, work began on the gravity generator. Sweet. Yeah, that'll be. All the and these sort of things in advance of boarding as well. So finally salvage now in the QA test request phase, which involves fixing bugs and other issues. Remember, this is August month report, so uh, salvage has been in QA since at some point in August, and they've been fixing bugs on it since August. So it's come along quite nicely uh, for gameplay features for Squadron 42. Um, and again, this is something I want to put out. When everybody when everybody says, "Oh, all the effort is on Squadron Forty Two," <laughs> read the monthly report because <laughs> that is 
A, they have told us multiple times that there is focus on Squadron 42. There are teams working on Squadron 42. They are working on things for Squadron 42 that also make their way into the PU shortly thereafter. But the gameplay feature team, like, yeah, they, they are working on Squadron 42. They're also working on the PU. And they're working on things in Squadron 42 that will be moved into the PU shortly thereafter. So it is not the the it is not a, a it is not mutual exclusivity. It is people who want to believe that Squadron 42 is taking away from PU development and want to believe in any excuse to say that PU development is too slow and blaming it on something that is wildly out of context. And we have multiple very clear-cut statements from different things in the roadmap from Jake, um, as well as, you know, comlinks from CIG, as well as every month in the monthly report showing you that, A, these teams are working on these things for Squadron 42 and these things for the PU, but these things in Squadron 42 will make it in the PU a little bit later, but they are still for the PU. You know? um, yeah, so don't, don't believe in misnomers. Um, so August saw gameplay feature work. This is for the Squadron 42 side of the gameplay features team, working on a new framework for the Moby Glass. Woot. <laughs> the Moby Glass isn't just for Squadron 42. There is nothing that is just for Squadron 42. So little that is just for Squadron 42. I am so excited. As soon as it is done, Moby Glass 2. Yeah. I am super excited. Uh... As soon as it makes it into Squadron 42, and they test it and prove it out. It will get ported over the PT over to the PU right after because your Moby Glass, it, it's not different. Nope. Uh, which will make better use of building blocks and the new UI cards uh, the tech has been developing. This will then host what all the new apps cards being for built them? for Squadron Forty Two. Yeah, so they're building apps for Squadron Forty Two. There will be a, there is a military Moby Glass. Yeah. You know, but the with building blocks, all it is is here's the new Moby Glass. We have these apps for the military one. But you have all these ones that they've already built or are building for the PU. It, it, there's no mutual exclusivity there. I wonder what they're using uh, cards new for. Because remember, the cards uh, that they showed were very much diegetic, um, large-scale UI. And the only yeah. thing I can think of that is attached to the Moby Glass is the AR view. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I can think of so far that they've said. That would use the card system. Yeah. Uh, new functionality was added to determine when players are in social areas and change the field of view to differentiate them from combat situations. For player hints and tutorials, new conditions were added to give the designers additional flexibility when they want to trigger them. A new system is also being developed to allow the player to control overhead cranes. This can be expanded to allow players to remotely control moving drones, too. Okay. So they specific. talked about, yeah, the one they mentioned. Um, when were they? Oh, he was in the uh, the all sh the all vehicle Q and A. They asked someone asked about the the drone work. Mm -hmm. They said it isn't being worked on specifically, but it is being worked on for Squadron Forty Two. Here it is. Yeah. Because they are, you know, this system is going to be used for controlling overhead cranes. Um, I would imagine it's unique stuff for missions for pathfinding. But this is also something that will get used for um, cargo movement, <clears throat> and uh, I would imagine for repair gameplay, large-scale repair gameplay. Um, but it's they are using the same sort of UI that uh, and um, 
UI and remote um, uh, what uh, the like the remote turrets, but they're using them. They they built them also for the controlling the tractor beams remotely. But it, it's all the same thing, just being modified in order, you know, for the different use cases. It's also going to get used for remotely piloting drones. Um, and so they're using, they're, they're building this out as part of Squadron 42 gameplay, but it will get moved over into the PU and used to develop gameplay features in the PU, like the using, you know, controlling drones, like controlling the remote tractor beams. Um, the cranes, I'm sure we're going to be able to move cranes in the game because we have cranes on some of the ships that we own. Yep. Um, you know, Including it, the again, Kraken. Yeah, the, the Kraken, I, I'm sure that we will be able to use cranes to move cargo on board larger ships. You know, I, I would be willing to bet that there's some form of crane. Um, I know there is on the Idris, you know, um, <clears throat> yeah, the, especially in hangars. But yeah, the, the raft, yeah, the raft as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. the The raft and the merchantman, yeah, the constant arc from the merchantman's cargo hold. Yeah, um, yeah. The Squadron Forty Two, they, they're not building things just for Squadron Forty Two. They are building them for Squadron Forty Two that will then be used in the PU, um, and it is not delaying things for the PU because things for the PU um, that we're waiting on have been waiting on them because of the back-end tech that supports them to be systemic, you know, to function systemically. Like, you know, salvage in the cargo refactor were built specifically to take advantage of PES. They are built to use PES. They cannot function without them. Yeah. That's why we've been waiting on them. I, I would venture to say that if all the if all the work that, or all the per- people that are on Squadron were on Star Citizen, there would be more wasted time. Yeah, because they would get stuff done faster, yes, but they'd also have to rewrite a lot of stuff. Like if, let's say, all the gameplay people that are working on Squadron were working on features, we would probably have salvage and a couple other loops by now, but they'd have to refactor all of those, all that gameplay because of PES and because of server mission later. So because they are not helping with the game loops, we have fewer of them and less work to ha- that has to be thrown out and redone. So we're getting a more solid experience because we have less. Less in one spot. And that is it for gameplay or for gameplay features. Back to you for mission features. All right. The mission feature team worked on a variety of new missions and features. I'm shocked. Um, they also took part in the launch of Siege of Orison. I cannot wait for that to come back. I believe that comes back in a week or two. I don't remember. Soon. It comes back soon. Looking forward to... I will admit, I haven't even had a chance to play. Ooh, I would definitely get in this next time. Um, I would definitely see if you can possibly get in this next time. It is, it is such a different experience to everything else. It, 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 from the outside, looks like just a big bunker. But there's actually a lot more. It it runs much more like a big version of Star Marine. It's really fun, especially going in. Um, the first time I went in, I was just going in to see what it was, and I ended up picking up some friends along the way, and we actually were communicating with in-game voice. Um, 
we were both completely drugged up by the end of it because of being down so many times. So we're all we're both just like limping with blurry vision, trying to limp back to our ships because we were about to get kicked off the platform. And then we're like, no, 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 we're not gonna make it. So went and stole one of the the Herculeses on the platform to get back to Orison. It was great. Uh, I look forward highly to the next uh, release of that. Um, so far, I'm also is... really looking forward to seeing what other missions they use yes. for the uh, the platforms. For the platforms, like how they convert those for use for other things. I didn't actually think of it. Like the rubble could just be overlays, so they could just yeah. remove the overlay. Exactly. Yeah. For for um, what are they called? Uh, VIP missions. Yep. Oh man, I can't wait. Um. They also took part in the launch of yes, Caesar Orson and planned improvements based on feedback. So they heard your feedback, they're tweaking it, and the next release will be even better. As the roadmap states, this is a quote, uh, we are working on packing more content into Korea and the prison. We are and are currently or and are creating mission modules that are that can be placed. I should stop reading ahead. Uh, that can be placed on Orison's platforms that can occupy anything from single buildings to all the way up to an entire platform, the mission feature team. So I mentioned a single building could be something either like a, a bunker or even just a delivery mission. The entire platform. Yeah. Lots of delivery missions for sure. I hope they're not just combat missions. That's that's my hope. I hope they're not just yeah. combat. Me too. Um. Let's see. They brought various teams together to discuss solving combat logging. Finally, they've announced they've acknowledged it. Um, and they're not just acknowledging it, but they're saying they're here to to find a solution and are currently making a workable pitch. So not only do they have multiple people in this team working or looking at it, they're using all of that multidiscipline to come up with a solid plan to how to solve it, not just make sure they can't log off in five minutes from being shot. And, and what is allowing them to do this? Persistent entity streaming. And offices. And offices. Um, so it may be that you can't, like, they may end up being just a timer, but this team is going to come up with whatever the best is for the game. Whatever that best is, this is the team that's going to figure it out. Uh, Mission Future are currently investigating how to lessen the impact of crimes that are obtained through bugs specifically. In pursuit of this, they worked on a change that will make CS1 and 2 not cause security or allow players to attack, meaning players will be able to request landing and reach chaos to pay off their crimes, providing it doesn't cause any negative knock-ons. This is planned for release soon. I assume that means 318. Um, that is super cool, finally. I'm so glad that that's a thing. Um, a lot of people are calling for just the death of Premstat entirely, but it eventually we'll just probably not see it, but it'll still be a thing. Um, but I'm so glad that you can get a parking violation and not be shot down now. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, mission feature also prototyped a time trial race. We've all seen this. Um, alongside this, they've investigated allowing players to rent and spawn the necessary vehicles at the race location for uh, ease of entry. So this is, as far as I know, only at the new 
uh, PTV racetrack at the Orison Event Center, where AIE was held last year. Uh, but this kind of archetype of event will be uh, used elsewhere, um, possibly even uh, Daymar. I think there was, wasn't there supposed to be a ground track on Daymar somewhere? I feel like that was like a long lost thing that they were working on. <laughs> like they were working yeah. on it when racing was being worked on, then racing got deprioritized. Yeah, that's, and I think it just kind of evaporated. Um, let's see. Um, on top of this, the game design documentation and foundation work for Bounty Hunting V2 is nearing completion, which includes Bounty Hunting drop-offs. So, confirmation, Bounty Hunting 2 includes Bounty drop-offs. Big, huge confirmation and confirmed virtual NPCs, Bounty Hunting V2. Very good confirmations there. Two really big things. Uh, me and Tree talked about that. A little while ago, we did mention that Bounty Hunting V2 should come with drop-offs and virtual NPCs, but this is the confirmation Bounty Hunting V2. When we get V2, it will have drop-offs and will have virtual NPCs. Super cool. Can't wait to not play that. I don't do Bounty Hunting. <laughs> we are... We, we're going to... And, and if you're interested in more about Bounty Hunting and the future of Bounty Hunting, where it's going and how it's going to work. We're going to be doing a deep dive in that for the Spectrum Pulse um, coming up next time we do a Spectrum Pulse. So in the, what did we agree on? 22nd? We say, yeah, 22nd. Yeah, it should be the next time we do a Spectrum Pulse. So That's when, when we'll tune in for that or watch it. Yeah, we'll be talking about that live. You know, we'll do a deep dive, deep dive. We'll also go over things on the progress tracker and have a bunch of links to show you in the, the viewing window within the cartography center. Depending on who's what we're on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see. Also, let's see. New investigation mission type. This I'm really excited for. Uh, entered the prototyping stage and is one of the most complex the team has ever tackled. Oh, they stopped there. Um, but I feel like I read more about that somewhere else, maybe. Uh, but basically, this is going to be a much more thinking man's game than a go and shoot everything. So we have the cave missions that we... Well, we, we supposedly had two cave missions, one to investigate, one to shoot everyone in sight. But the investigation is mostly just run into the cave till you find it. So this investigation is much more of a investigate what happened. Um, I forget where I was reading that, but um, I, feel I think like... it's going to be the like I forget the name of the 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 mission that you do at um, Kovalex Gundo. Yep, I think it's going to be a re-upping think... of that, like that plus. Yeah. yeah, that is the prototype, and these are going to be the sort of systemic version in caves. Yeah, um, yeah, and for that. That is done for mission feature and is back to you for feature vehicle. All right. For the uh, vehicle feature team, it's a PU team. Weird. I could have sworn that they're only working on things for Squad 42. <laughs> August had the team focus on the new multifunction displays and ship integrated UI system. The uh, team solved technical progress problems relating to the MFDs and nailed down detailed designs for various elements. 
Progress is moving forward finally on this feature that's been on the cards for a long time, vehicle feature team. The team is currently is also currently working closely with the EUPU team on the resource network system. And this involved integrating various vehicle features with resource networking and having them exchange things like power and coolant. Finally, heat is going to be much more important. Uh, this also updated and improved uh, the design of how various items interact with resources. You know, oh, why haven't you balanced this? Why aren't you balancing that? You know, why are you waiting to do this? Because they're waiting for big ticket items like this that are play, you know, such a huge part in different balancing you know, acts that they don't want to do the work all over again. Yeah. You know, it, it would be wasted effort to put a lot of effort into balancing and, and moving a lot of things around when there's, you know, uh, so much more to be done to, to even get us at a good baseline yep. um, once these you know key features come in like i said at the top of last month's uh not months last week's uh show like there is no balance till components are done mm -hmm. and until yep. then there's like, no balance until components and resource management are are in the game and you know at, at that and you know they are that is a part of um time to kill and physicalized damage um but it's not all of it but it, it's probably the biggest part yeah there's there's uh, no point about complaining about balance yet like i i know people will because people are still complaining about balance in in starcraft 2 which has been out for like 11 <laughs> years um <laughs> so i know that people won't stop complaining about it but there's no point in complaining about it now it's not even version one yet yeah. so just chillax guys <laughs> just a little, a little bit just a little bit don't get upset about Just it. Enjoy the experience for what it is and stop worrying about being competitive in an alpha. Yeah. It just ain't worth the it it, it isn't worth your hairline. <laughs> I can tell you that from experience. Uh significant research also went into improving combat AI for fighters, with the team researching things they can do and making plans for how to implement them. The I mean this is this is research, you know, and you know, research before implementation. Uh, but this is you know, once the they've been working on combat AI for FPS combat, they've been working on you know AI and things for um, ship uh, uh, for ship movement. You know the NPCs flying ships. Once we have PES and server meshing in, and it helps relieve some of the strains, so that way you have better server tick rates and better. Um, the servers have better ability to manage the decision making for NPCs and the and their AI, then it will give the gameplay, you know, the designers and feature you know, people more leeway to implement uh, implement um, AI behaviors to to be utilized to make their, you know, the 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 experience you know that much more immersive. Um, so we're, you know, everybody always a lot of people will complain that the AI are derpy. You know, and that they don't have much much functionality, and they do sort of the same thing. Yes, they haven't put a lot of effort into it on the. Um, well, they have put more effort into it on the Squadron Forty Two side, but they can't port it over because the servers can't handle it. They just can't handle it yet. Once they can handle it, then they can implement those things and test it and iterate on them, so that way it gives a better experience within the PU. Uh, but that's it for vehicle features. Back to you for gameplay story. Gameplay story. So gameplay story is a squadron exclusive team. Um, 
because there's no no unified story for Star Citizen. It is a much more multi-threaded story for Star Citizen. So, whereas Squadron has a start and end to its story, or for Squadron has start to end, Star Citizens is many stories happening at once, and you have to follow your own. Uh, so, gameplay story. Spent part spent part of last month organizing com organizing complete and completed and upcoming work which involved creating confluence pages for scenes, scene notes and change logs, as well as updating shot grid and mannequin. Um, I know what shot grid is. That's um, kind of like an internal Pinterest. I forgot what mannequin is. Probably something to do with characters. Um, they also worked on two new scenes. Uh, the first being a piece that connects to a cinematic scene and features Marines cheering interesting i love these very vague hints they drop when they talk about story stuff uh the second involves a medic helping a wounded miner i call shubin <laughs> very interesting i love the super just absolute vague just crud they just throw out just because you have they, there's nothing here that's going to give you any hints just stupid and vague and stupid in a good way uh, following feedback, they also created a new tram arrival with with mocap being planned to allow two key characters to board it smoothly. Uh, we talked about this tram scene, uh, I believe, in the last month report video and the one before that. Uh, but yeah, that is what they've been doing the past month for gameplay story. Um, just finishing stuff up on Squadron, and then back to you for the one of the other bigger uh, teams. Graphics, VFX, programming, and Planet Tech. Yeah, this is the, the hard one that I get. <laughs> the damage map tech for Salvage is approaching the end of feature development and is running into the bug fixing phase. Again, this is August. So, you know, we are, they are in the bug fixing part um, as of last month. Mm. The other thing to think about is not only is this damage map for Salvage, but this, is dam this damage map will also be used inversely for repair um, and will also be applied um, to you know just regular damage that you receive uh, you know during during combat you know the, the damage mapping system that they're building uh, is all damage uh, but they're they're it's getting built out for salvage uh, with all the required tech coming together the team began testing the persistence of damage maps for the first time i.e salvage is built on PES, highlighting additional improvements to be made. Damage map persistence will soon be ready for enabling, allowing wider testing by QA. <clears throat> With QA testing holescaping, improvements are made to the gameplay values and how they can be debugged. On the visual side, graphics are currently preparing to allow vehicle art to iterate on and fine-tune the damage map visuals. Progress is made on porting particles to Gen 12, including mesh and submesh particle rendering and bringing them to feature parity with legacy particles. Um, several lighting uh, uh, several lighting and shadow update passes on gas clouds were also ported to Gen 12. Optimizations were made to clip to the clip volume submission and in scattering injection stages for volumetric fog. Now the artists are able to ta tag mesh sub-objects as interiors or exteriors to better handle lighting around turrets and doors. Progress began on edge highlight rendering both 
for objects that would normally be occluded cold by walls to support the FPS scanning of other NPCs and players. Um, so it's if you're like me, um, there you have a lot of important performance hits when it comes to particles, especially with uh, um, uh, atmospheres and ground-based, you know, uh, planetary storms, you know, all those particles. Um, and so if that stuff is getting ported over to Gen 12, it should be a lot more performant soon. Um, and it's, um, it sounds like they're making changes to allow for scanning so that way your scans can go through certain objects. Um, and reveal things behind them, even though, you know, it, it, it's, hey, this wall is a solid object, but I can scan through it and see what's behind it. Um, a tool progressed that will allow the team to perform multiple jitter captures of scene and uh, of a scene and interleave them together to output an ultra high resolution image. The Rastar tool also received a useful tech refresh to make it usable with built-in editor tools while additional efforts were made to improve stability, usability, and responsiveness. With multiple improvements recently made on RiverTech, the team received a QATR report that allowed them to find new issues. These were addressed and will be included in the latest iteration in Alpha 3.18. Looking forward to seeing more rivers. These were uh, finally for graphics. The team began the initial task targeting CPU offloading of Planet Tech code. This is huge. So huge. I actually, I think, this is one of the things I screenshot and tweeted about. The goal is to provide equivalent functionalities of ground level scattered objects with compute shaders instead of relying on a slower CPU, slower CPU path. The benefits are significant with the team able to spend the saved computational budget on other purposes such as gameplay and tech. And so when, yeah, so when you're flying around over a planet and the planet tech is rendering in it's sort of you get that choppiness of it rendering in it's because it's it's doing that on the cpu path um instead of you know compute shaders uh via the gpu mm -hmm. and so they are porting all of that stuff for when you're flying around all the ground scatter the trees the terrain you know the the visible terrain um all of that will be uh, is getting ported over to the gpu in gen 12 um that will and that will free up a ton of CPU bandwidth um, on your on your PC. Yeah, and that, allow um, it also make it a lot smoother as you're flying around. Yeah, that the the compute shader in addition to uh, the pill parallelizing of tasks is going to make this game run predictably smoothly, and that's that's probably one of the biggest things is not stuttering but predictably smooth. They know they're gonna know where the performance is going to happen when. So they know what their budget is going to be when they're going into a planet, when you're walking around, when you're in a war zone. It's going predictably smooth. Not go to yeah. planet, your entire computer freezes up, and most people computers freeze up. Um, so it can load in the planet or the, the LOD that you're at. Um, I have never seen the stream yet that has a smooth transition out of QT when arriving at a planet. Be nice. The, uh, yeah, that's a huge issue too. Um, the other thing that this allows for is like right now, if you're flying around on Urson or um, on Microtech, 
and you see the density of the forests and the, the ground cover. Um, it's okay. It looks good. But there are planets in Star Citizen that have biomes just like we have on Earth with ultra dense dense jungles, foliage, and yeah, we have jungles, rainforests, um, all, all sorts of different things where the ground scatter and the everything that would be that they um, that would just would absolutely tank your computer trying to render it um, makes it a lot, it makes it possible for that to be rendered um, uh, on the GPU via Gen 12 <clears throat> and uh, assistance from Vulkan because it would be uh, via a, uh, a compute shader versus a different CPU path. Yeah. Yep. Exciting times. Um, but that's back to you for lighting. All right. Another really tiny one. So I'm just going to go ahead and read the whole thing. In August, Lighting spent time on the new cave systems, I'm getting sand very shortly, and ice later on, which allows them to differentiate from the typical artificial lighting you, you usually seen around the verse. Aside from this, they were further worked on Pyro, contributing to some new locations' immersive visuals. Um, lighting doing their job. Like, lighting is one of those teams that just, like, they come in, they do their job, it doesn't sound like much, but it, it finishes the scene. Um, with with bad lighting, it could ruin a scene. With good lighting, you set the scene. So their team might be small. They might not spend a lot of time on anything in particular, but they are very necessary for the look and feel of Star System. So back to you for level design. <clears throat> for level design, and this is a Squadron 42 team, um, in August, the FPS team began taking five chapters to a more complete state with a continued focus on stability. They also tested the first third of the game with the intention of giving players a seamless playthrough. Excuse me? Hold on. Wait, what? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is one That's of those ones, like, because the Squadron 42 report comes out in the com link a week after it people it because people don't read you know read the one that comes out in the email they just delete it and, and if they are going to read it they they always forget about it when it comes out a week later does but, that yeah. say to you that it, it says two one or two things to me either one which is probably more likely thinking about it that the first third of the game is a a smooth game and then after a third, there's something that breaks up the, the, the game. Or two, playable demo. I think we are going to see a another vertical slice for sure. Um, sooner rather than later. A first uh, by sooner, I mean in the next several quarters. Um, with a playable demo at an event. I think that they will stick to tradition with that. that first but I don't think so that part loaded. will be soon. Yeah. Wow. But I do think that, you know, because they will want to do a, a another vertical slice, um, and they have mentioned vertical slice multiple times in, mm -hmm. in recent months, I think that we will see what next year mm -hmm. um, 
I, I think next year, starting system kind of next year, of, yeah, we it will be the year of, like of the, the announcement for hey, this is the we are announcing that we are going into the beta phase. Yeah, I imagine this is what it looks. This is what beta looks like. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think like since or citizen or Gamescom is so late. I I would maybe um, announce at CitizenCon that they're going to start the publicity train for Star or Squadron Four Two. Have a playable demo at Gamescom, and then release it the year following at CitizenCon. Is a possible uh, roadmap. Very interesting. But those first two uh, sentences, mostly finishing the first five and getting the first third of the game to a playable state. Ooh. So the first five chapters, for those of you who don't know, uh, there are 20 chapters in all. The first five is a quarter. Very, 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 very interesting. Ooh. For some reason I read that and did not read that. All right. Ooh, what's the next sentence? <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, like the FPS team. So they, 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 there are multiple teams that have been talking about this in recent monthly reports. Mm -hmm. So if you go back and read, probably like at least last three or four months, do you think? They've talked about yeah. getting a large part of the game fully playable with, you know, functioning systems, mechanics, getting polished, blah, 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 working on vertical, you know, getting something to vertical slice quality. Um, <clears throat> so like the FPS team, the Space Dog team continued, this was mentioned last month as well, uh, to focus on getting a large part of the game fully playable with functioning systems and mechanics alongside creating a seamless experience. They continued with scene setup, bug fixing, and addressing review feedback, though the main focus was on refactoring and streamlining several interstitials to the required standards. <clears throat> this will make all tasks easier from working on chapters to devising checkpoints. Now, I think what they'll do as part of the vertical slice is you will get a vertical slice of this part of the game here in this chapter, and then several chapters on, you'll get a vertical slice of this part of gameplay here, you know, or demonstrating this here and then mm. more here. That makes sense. It won't be all one one chapter vertical slice. Yeah, you know, they'll be they'll do it in order to demonstrate multiple different things to give you a more complete picture of what Squadron Forty Two will be like. Yeah. While still limiting spoilers. So they'll have like somewhere in the middle a post mission shipboard time. And then somewhere else in the story, a space combat scenario, and somewhere else a in the storyline, a FPS combat scenario. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I like it. I like it a lot. Can't wait. Man. Like this this I know level design is an earlier one, and if they're working on stuff, it means stuff is really not done. Uh but I I feel like a, something's gonna happen next year. I don't know what. I just feel like something. Something's gonna happen. I do too. Um, <clears throat> and that's back to you for locations, which is super interesting considering how Montreal is going nuts. Oh yeah. 
Okay, so locations EU, not Montreal. Um, Montreal's the next one. I was supposed to, no, no, I split up locations, so you have Montreal. Um, oops. Um, alright. Anyway, um, so the EU sandbox I see, team. Hmm? I see locations EU, Nazareth. Yes, and then, and then location Montreal EU. EU. Alright, that's fine. And then I have in-game planning. Yep. Alright. The EU sandbox team spent part of a month working on outlaw themes for the colonial outposts, which are darker and more dangerous places to explore. And I actually, let's see if I can actually pull these up in a way that's not going to break everything. Uh, yep. There we go. And then can we transition without breaking things? And then that. Yay, we did it. <laughs> uh, so basically, I, I mirrored this thing off of what you built. So so this is the new outlaw overlay for the colonial outposts. They are very dingy, um, but also full of character. And hopefully full of use in the future. Do we have those clothings? I know we have those boots. Some is that a prison zone? So the exterior. I believe that's it for the overlays. We'll get to some more images in a moment. Um let's see. They also began white bossing new various new modules for the outposts, including landing areas, smaller habitation, refineries, and ore extractors. So we got. So here's some of the like we saw these back in the concept art, the liquid or gas holding tanks, the different uh, style of habitation. So this right here is a underground or in ground landing zone. This is a Valkyrie for scale. So really cool. I really like the in ground look. Um, very Tatooine. -y. Uh, cool. And as we move around, this is the refinery. This is this was my favorite concept in module. This is the refinery module. And this over here is a bigger extractor or ore extractor. We have the small ones. This is how I know it's an ore extractor. The small ones in-game already that had the, like the little hammer that you walk past. It sounds really weird. Um, this is this moves up uh, up and down. Uh, some of it does, not all of it. So like, I think right to here, this kind of pill shape moves up and down. So really cool. Can't wait to see all these in-game. Uh, especially can't wait to use them all when we actually get the RTS mode uh, with Vastar. Let's see. White box work continued on upcoming space sandbox locations that we heard about last month as well. That will provide more interesting opportunities for ship-based exploration and gameplay. I imagine this would also include at least exploring the ideas of a wrecked, not a unusable ship. So a ship that you could feasibly repair and take with you. Uh, the landing zone team progressed with Pyro's Ruin Station, focus on art for external industrial area and damaged locations. Inside, cold route area were injected with extra side route and routes and activities. Exterior access hatches were developed to give an extra access option 
while exploring areas was performed to craft yeah to craft ideas for the shanty town habitations uh let's see also time was also dedicated to the revamp under revamped underground facilities with the team whiteboxing the remaining layouts with a focus on how the player navigates the surface structure down to the top of the physical elevator. Uh, work also was done on the entrance lobby and elevator entrance room with final pieces getting close to being set up and work in and working in white box. That's really cool. It won't all the outposts won't just or all the underground facilities won't just be door elevator down and then you're in there'll actually be some facility on top that you have to navigate um and then obviously variants to the finally area the yeah. elevator yeah. and the rooms yeah yeah the, the, the bunker just sitting there with you know just an elevator stuff placed around it yeah, yeah it's, it's just yeah it, it's not very believable to me nor is it all that interesting and especially it, the other thing is one elevator you know one elevator going down there it's a Mm -hmm. flipping death trap you know and if you're someone's taking the elevator it should probably alert everybody down there that you're coming mm -hmm. you know that that's yeah the it's just like with the um the outpost you know and the the pyro demo <clears throat> the multiple ways to skin a cat you know there should yep. be multiple ways down into the bunker facility multiple elevators the, the pyro demo you know, and also the art, you know, uh, stairs the, and like, ladders demo. yeah but multiple levels to you know so, like, you know, you don't take an elevator down, you know, 100 feet to the first level. You know, there's a level directly underneath the ground, and there's multiple stories. And, you know, you, you, know, you can have an entrance. You know, you can go all the way down to the bottom floor, or you can, you know, go down some stairs from the structure on the, on the top mm -hmm. and, and make your way in. Yeah. Um, if you look at the, the elevator shafts in the current one there is actually at least three levels so the module that the that they used supports it they just hadn't iterated on bunkers since they were implemented um so cool that we're getting them now let's see beyond white boxing the devs explored the visual target for final art with new asset kits being created and worked up to a high polish state a push was also made on the interactable prompts Featuring modular machines, interactable cupboards and lockers, switches and fuses. A lot of stuff we're going to be using not too long. Uh, and they quote, the, these will provide great gameplay opportunities for designers for implementing exploration and traversal puzzles. The location team. Can't wait. Uh, different initiative initiatives were explored for adding to landing zones. Very important. And feature work tasks for this year's AIE were started. Uh, the buggy racetrack received extensive playtesting. Extensive playtesting, I'm sure. And bug fixing. Bug fixing. I want to know what they're adding to landing zones. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. that's, that's one of the things that I really like to know. Um, I really like landing zones, and I want to spend. I want reason to spend more time at landing zones, which is one of the reasons I like uh, cargo timers timers to be a thing as soon as possible. Because I want. I can't someone... wait to see the. Because Jared talked about showing <clears throat> the work that they're doing on mm -hmm. uh, Marvel. Yep. And I can't wait to see the work they're doing for this because 
everything that Montreal touches is gold. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I cannot wait till that pendulum swings back to Art Corp. Ooh. Yeah. When Art Corp actually looks the way it's supposed to look in lore. Yep. Um, yeah. And, the, and they update the the city generation tech to, you know, to do better. Yeah. yeah. I, I imagine this is what I imagine is going to happen. I could be completely wrong, but it's going to be Pyro, um, Art Corp, and then System, 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 System. <laughs> and they're just going to be knocking them out super quickly. Oh, it's going to be great. Next year is going to be a really cool year for Star Citizen. A new fuel barge for Orison is now complete, barring LODs, and will be used in future for a variety of mission types. In, like, that, that makes me think it's a little sooner than later that they're building it just for missions. So I I really can't wait to see what the mission stuff is on Orison. Uh, production, yeah, pre-production began for the new law and bounty offices, which will be found around the system and will be where bounties can be taken and new bounty missions can be found. So you won't be taking them to prison, which everyone kind of thought. You'll be taking them to this bounty office. They'll take over, and then they'll ship them on a nice white bus to prison. Um, but also, this is where the bounty board's going to be. And I don't think anyone has seen this coming at all, anywhere, ever, that your Mobigus will not be the end-all, be-all of every mission that ever existed. You'll have to actually go to the bounty office to pick up a bounty mission. It won't be just broadcasted wide the entire system. So you'll have to go to a system, go to a landing zone, stance in a case, pick a landing zone, and you'll get relevant bounties. So if you're going to uh, an easy one, let's say Castra, there's only Cascom. So they'll have all the bounties for the system and possibly some even into Pyro, depending on... But... Well, it's it's like with the um, the, the 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 most wanted lists. Mm-hmm. There are local most wanted lists. Yeah. You know, like your your county sheriff or you know or state police will have their own, and then there's the FBI most wanted list. Yeah. And so, well, I imagine you know, yeah, if you'll it's, have it. If, you have the UAE ones always available. Yeah. You know, but those are the really hard to track down ones. I imagine and, both Stanton and Castro uh, being on either side of Pyro, they would collect relevant data on people in pyro they want you to hunt down it could be like the u.s where if a crime crosses system borders it becomes a federal crime so then it becomes advocacy at that point not local security um we don't know that's a lore thing that we'll have to wait and see how that works out in game um they have not said what happens on that edge case specifically in lore but bounty offices bounty boards in the offices will be thing no longer well potentially no longer um in your mode glass the team also white boxed improvements to korea again the korea mission in support of the mission feature team's gameplay initiatives spawn closets were added to all landing zones as well so this is in support of not only um NPCs being in them temporarily and can be spawned in and out, but also dynamic uh, population and subsumption and virtual AI and quanta. So 
a small seed of a very big part of the game. And finally, improvements improved signage was prototyped for Air 18 to help out new players too. Um, this will also help people who don't go to Air 18 much, like me. Um, I constantly am getting lost in Air 18. It's not as bad as Hurston used to be, because the signage in Hurston was not all that great at the beginning. Um, it was kind of just a rat maze. Um, they've they've gotten a lot better at it. So I am I am excited to see the new signage in Area 18 as well. I'm just excited for the future of Star Citizen. Um, so splitting up the locations team, um, accidentally. Uh, back to you, Tree, for locations Montreal. Locations Montreal. Love these people. <laughs> uh, the Montreal locations team dedicated time to debugging and polishing several content elements, including the Daymar derelict. Settlement, which is nearing completion. We re recently saw that. Can't wait to visit and explore. The crash site released in January was upgraded with AI loot and other features. The crash site released in January. Was that the... Reclaimer? That's the, the Reclaimer, right? I thought it was released later than that. Yeah, me too. Um, was there a crash site? Hmm. I don't uh, but it was upgraded with AI, loot, and other features, while the derelict reclaimer settlement was all was updated too. What crash site are they talking about? I have no idea. Well, they upgraded it, so it has <laughs> more gameplay now. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, the art team continued creating a wider library of habitations that will be used in upcoming um, derelict settlements. Uh, this will allow the team to create more diverse settlements with different gameplay opportunities. Yeah, so the, the the they are adding to that library that will get ported into Rostar, so they'll be able to have a whole lot more diversity and things that the settlements can do and function as uh, when they make them. The only going forward wreck is the the reclaimer, and that was in April. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I have no idea. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm confused by that, too. I'm like, wait a minute. This doesn't jive with my head calendar. Uh, the ongoing rework of Lorville Cityscape is progressing well. Oh, boy. Can't wait. And is now in the gray box phase. Already in gray box, people. They are out of white box. They are already in gray box. You know, where they... It's... that. They, they are just moving so quickly through this, and I cannot wait to see what new Lorville. Well, it's still wow. Lorville, but... They only started that in January. Yeah, yeah, they're... Wait a minute. They're moving Montreal. quickly. Montreal! I mean, there's, there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah, but, Montreal you know, Sandbox are... only got it in July. Mm -hmm. Jeez, people. Yeah, which gives me a lot of hope for Parkour. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that when our core gets our core 2.0 that the other areas the other you know because we have area 18 but there's other numbered areas area that are 16. supposed to be landing zones of their own right i'm hoping that we'll get those as well and along with the oceans and mountains <laughs> yeah um, I want our corp roads yeah I want, I want no I, I think that the lorville 2.0 will be cool but our core 2.0 be Lorville 2.0 on steroids. Yeah. Because our core is, you know, it is many large cities that are connected, only broken up by mountains and some oceans. 
I, um, I wonder if they're, we really hope they would do art corp in a way that's much more like Coruscant where there, there is multiple actual layers of the city. Yeah. Like, like you even get a little bit in uh, Lorville right now. There is that kind of under place where there's no, no light, but art corp, yep. there's distinct layers of just civilization on the planet. And I hope they yeah, go they, deeper. They really hone or dig into that with their update. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also kicked off building interiors with the first steps being a prototype and the de-risking of a number of technical items. I don't know what de-risking means, um, but the building interiors is also a huge thing because building interiors will add so much more gameplay to the landing zones uh, because so many of the buildings have landing pads and elevators on them. Um, for delivery of cargo, and once you can go into the buildings, they can systemically make it so that way mission content is in those buildings as well as real estate for players to buy. Think of how much real estate is on Hardcore. Um, if you look it up, it says, especially in a business contact, take steps to make something less risky or less likely to involve financial loss. Basically, not sure. Getting rid of edge cases that lead to bad uh, outcomes. Okay. Not sure how that applies to building interiors, but maybe they'll tell Doesn't us more make later. a random door into a black hole. Don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> no more doorways to you know to hell or or, or nothingness. Uh, but that's it for Montreal locations. Back to you for in-game branding. In-game branding, Montreal. one of my favorites, just because it is the context that lives on top of the game um, for the lore. It's the context of the lore that lives on top of the game. Yeah. The in-game branding team completed tasks for AIE and are currently working on new signage paths for various landing zones as part of the new player experience effort. And for those who don't know, the new player experience effort is the first 30 minutes of the game to be completely readable without any help from anyone else. Um, so hints on the HUD, signage that can actually direct you where to go, um, and a experience that will, within that half an hour, teach you how to play the game. So that is what the new player experience effort is, is to make the first 30 minutes a teaching experience um, to get you up to date with the current game. Uh, the goal for this pass is to make it easier for new players to find their way around, the persistent universe, various landing zones. So not just one, but all of them. And that is all for the in-game branding. That was their focus, just the uh, AIE and the new player experience effort. So back to you for narrative. Narrative's probably my favorite team because I'm a lore nerd. Um, if Paul and Al are the professor, university professor, professors when it comes to lore for Star Citizen, uh, consider me like one of their sophomore year, maybe junior year students. Um, in that I read all the lore, I love the lore, and I thoroughly enjoy the lore, and I love how the lore impacts gameplay, but I do not have the years of experience and education and training that they, uh, Paul and Al, have when it comes to putting much of the aspects of the lore into context. Um, if it's about the UE military or, you know, healthcare in, you know, and rescue type stuff in the UAE, I've got you. I know that stuff. That's my bag. I, uh, but all the social, you know, social science related things, um, economics, um, 
you know, the everything related to uh, government, uh, that is where Paul and Al really shine because that is what they do IRL. They teach that stuff. I figured you'd set yourself, or I think more as the uh, the student secretary kind of person of the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, uh, yeah, hopefully, um, I'm hoping to get back on captain's table again soon when my schedule allows for it. Unfortunately, most Saturdays, I'm either out of town or busy. Same. Not yeah. out of town, but um, busy. I definitely want to get on. Um, I, I want to talk to Paul about getting on and doing a lore citizen for regeneration and medical gameplay. Um, kind of like we did one specifically for the UE Navy and UE Marines. Mm -hmm. So we shall see. Um, but uh, narrative, alongside the various mission design teams, narrative worked on new content for upcoming patches, including the expansions coming to Security Post Korea and the Klesher Rehabilitation Facility, as highlighted in a recent Inside Star City. They also discussed adjustments to existing dynamic missions. So they worked on new content for upcoming passions, uh, patches, patches. Including the expansions that you know that we just talked about, they also are working on new content for things that they haven't told us about. So um, keep that in mind. They're always being cagey about that stuff. They also explored narrative needs for some environmental missions currently in development. While they don't, so the environmental missions were added onto the progress tracker in the last month or so. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how the what those end up being like, um, and how the narrative drives them. So I, I'm I'm a little bit confused on what the environmental missions mean, uh, um, as far as like flying around in space, and this is an, a a mission that comes up as you're flying through the environment. Um, but we'll see. While they don't have contracts and objectives like traditional missions or traditional missions, narrative still work closely with design to ensure that the mission is presented with a strong sense of flow and fits within the universe. For the all new mission type mentioned in the last month's update, so all new mission type that we don't know what it is, the team finished a full text pass and were able to make revisions after playing an in-game prototype. So the mission is in prototype um, as of last month. The, the new mission type that we don't know what it is. Um, I think the uh, environmental missions could be you are flying around and you get close enough to something because it's within an object container and you, you know, are, um, it, it, you, the, um, your, your probability volume just makes it so that way you detect it and you're like, oh, okay, well, this is nearby. Do you want to go check it out? And it doesn't generate a mission or a contract for you, but there's a, that you ran, you randomly find a derelict. Um, or uh, something else in the environment that you would be worth exploring and checking out, but it doesn't generate a mission. Like there isn't a mission saying, go find this derelict and explore it. You just accidentally bump into it. Um, it would be great if there were small mission, you know, small, they like could make abandoned, you know, stations, but small pieces of them, like you see, um, like the ring, you know, the, the small ring stations uh, in some of the asteroid belts, I think it's around Yella, where those actually have mission content. Uh, so, or, or, you know, gameplay content, besides just looking cool. Uh, do, 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 do. The team also assisted in writing text to support several in-development game features, like hacking and salvaging, like hacking 
and salvaging in development game features. So they have been talking a lot about hacking, you know, a little bit here and there, but they're working hard on it. It is coming sooner than you think. I, 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 I could see hacking being something that, hey, we've been holding on to this so that way we have, you know, it gets done sooner than you think, but they're going to continue to polish it until 3.19 comes along because they want to add hacking and bounty hunting to 3.19 so that way it's a bit more of a full patch um, in relation to 3.18 and 4.0 as well as to set up more gameplay for when 4.0 comes in. Um, <clears throat> do you, do, 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 uh, the team also, oh, wait, as well as, uh, so they, the team also assisted in writing text to support several in development game features like hacking and salvaging, as well as writing names and descriptions for dozens of props, items, weapons, vehicles, armor, and clothing. So they're writing names and descriptions for a lot of things that are in, you know, various stages of production. So there's a lot more, um, props, uh, and if they're writing descriptions for them, they'll probably be usable props, you know, interactables, um, items, you know, and weapons, vehicles, armor, and clothing. Um, so all the things that we're going to be able to interact with. Since there are several holidays and events coming up in the final stretch of 2022, the team outlined the text and narrative support needed and began the writing process. Narrative design spent time in August reviewing the AI wildline sets currently being used in game investigating improvements that could be made using assets that have already been recorded and captured. Hopefully some of the things outlined will be able to make their way into the game soon to help improve the player experience while, when interacting with NPCs, either in landing zones or in combat. Yeah, more wild lines would definitely make things much more interesting and fun. Uh, they also published new content to the website, including an observance lifestyle, uh, introducing a growing movement called Citizens for Pyro. If you haven't read that, Oh my gosh, when it comes to lore equals gameplay, that's a, a big one. A portfolio about the Bremen Beltway, a new plain truth, where Parker exposes some possibly uh, possible shady business at Hurston. Uh, this quarter's lore makers community questions and a new set of Galactopedia posts. And that is it for narrative. Back to you for QA. One of the most important teams. Uh, Cinemax continued to rely on QA for recording of each level. Uh, this is Squadron uh focus qa um there wasn't a star citizen focus qa um paragraph or uh section this month so anyway squadron focused uh cinematic continued to rely on qa for recording of each level so they could ensure scenes were working and of the qual of expected quality Desport continued to with changes and updates tested uh so the reason that they're recording is basically when you want to figure out something works, you hand it to someone who doesn't know what they're doing. You will let them record and then you watch what they did to make sure that what you, where you wanted to tell the player to go, they intuitively went. Um, for cinematics, um, it's a bit different. They want to make sure that it wasn't them directing things to go a specific way, but everything just worked without dev interference um and for qa with people actively trying to break your cinematics so very important uh qa also tested behavior implementations in the campaign with august work focusing on the recent vandul ai improvements in addition um or in addition the team uh pushed out push pushed clear out and outdated 
push to clear out any outdated issues and performed an open bug sweep to ensure their database were up to date. So they QA'd their own database of QA. Nice. Um, cool. Did lots of good work moving forward and also cleaning up their own stuff so that means they can do their job even better in the future. And that is it for QA. So back to you for player relations. Uh, both the player support and player experience teams combined and grew by about 30% wow. with an emphasis on delivering better, quicker service for the player base. So player support and player experience teams um, are now one team called player relations and they just hired a bunch of people. If you're interested in joining a the team, there's a game support specialist and live QA specialist roles open now. Um, so yeah, there, that's it for player relations. Um, but hopefully that means with the combining the two teams and the growth that will um, will be getting more efficient service um, for all our different uh, gripes and complaints. Yep. <laughs> our, our feedback. Yeah. Wow. And quicker ticket turnaround. Be nice. Um, all right. So that is it for that. So back to interactables. Uh, the Interactables team developed prototypes for deployable props. Um, for those who have been with the project a while, you'll know that shields and decoys were a long, long ago uh, tease thing that never came out because um, Ilphonic, uh, which was shown on Inside Sources. And after completing initial prototyping and getting uh, to grips with the new workflow, uh, they moved on their first harvestable. Uh, this is a quote. We've worked diligently to bring some life to the to the verse in the very first of its kind, a bug harvestable. Yep. You can find these little critters in the new caves dotted around Stanton. Is this guy gonna move? Yeah, you can see he's a, a roly poly, but he's also got his little legs, so does it move? I think so. I think it's going to be able to move. They just jump over here for those watching. That's what that's what it looks like. Interesting. It does say first of its kind, so I'm I guess I don't know if they're just like poking it that it's a bug harvestable. I I, I hope it moves. I definitely hope it moves. That would be really cool. Uh, our first creature is gonna be a bug harvestable. All right, that'd be funny. Um, let's see where was I. Ah, yes. Alongside Harvest Balls, the team looked into consumables that players can find throughout Pyro to keep themselves alive. Uh, another quote, these might not be appetizing, but don't, but don't, and some don't even look edible, but in Pyro, you can't be too picky about what your next meal will be. I'll also put that on screen a moment as you can enjoy the nice. It looks like an algae jello shot. It does indeed. Um, except it looks a bit more stable. We'll call them stable. Um, yeah. Not so slurpable. Um, oh man! So kind of like, like kind of like a seaweed protein cube. Yeah. Seaweed brownie. Yeah, okay. We're gonna go with seaweed brownie. Seaweed algae based, you know, foodstuffs, which is a, a super common sci-fi trope. Yep. There you go. There's this food for Pyro. Ugh. Look, 
looking forward to the uh, faces that your character makes when eating that. All right. Uh, and that is it for Interactables. Uh, back to you for Tools. You get all the Montreals. You got all the Montreal teams. All right. It's fine. You get Tools Montreal. I love the Cucks. What can I say? Uh... They're good people. Um, so this is another one of these. Uh, this has been a really thick report or set of reports in general. This is one of my favorite bits of this thick report because there's mm -hmm. some really big information in here. The Montreal-based tools team released Mighty Bridge version 0.6 to the dev team. This update adds two new functionalities, version 2 of the object spawner, which allows the team to spawn multiple layers of objects on, ge on geometries and planet surfaces, and the cable generator, which generates complex cables from a simple spline. These two tools will allow the, or these two tools will help the art teams create locations faster. The release also includes a variety of improvements and services, including an updated debug mesh that helps the selecting the parent tool and that helps selecting the parent tool and increases precision on planet surfaces. The team is also nearing completion of the first version of the procedural locations creation tool. Nearing completion of the first version of the procedural locations creation tool. This will allow them to create and edit simple layouts of space stations in minutes and will dramatically decrease the time it takes to make stations out of existing modules. They showed this off in, a, in an ISC a few months, a few months back um, because they are still working on it. Well, they're almost complete with the first version of it. But this is how we're going to get space filled up with stuff. You know, we they have the planet content teams, you know, worked on their tools and they're always adding more and more um stuff for, for biomes and terrain in order to you know make it more fidel you know uh, more make the increase the fidelity of planets, but they can create planets and, and moons in no time flat. You know, it, it literally takes them weeks to to paint a moon and or, or plant it you know, with the biomes that they want on it and, and fill it up. Um, <clears throat> well, they they worked on the stations several years ago when they came out with the new stations and made the modular station system so that way they could eventually create this tool to take that modular system and be able to um, create space station layouts in very short period of time. So that way they can put, you know, quickly put out this layout for the station and then, you know, fill it up with stuff and edit it, make it look nice, make it look pretty. And boom, you know, instead of months of taking, you know, taking months to make a station, it'll take weeks to make stations. So when they go to add a new star system with, you know, plant, you know, planets with their own Lagrange points and their own Lagrange point stations and what they call the LEO stations, low earth orbit, which is the ones that are above the, the landing zones, it won't take them months to build that station, you know, or, or build those sets of stations. It'll take them months to make the entire star system, you know, alongside this, you know, and everything in it, you know, including the stations, including the planets, including the things on the planets. Yeah. The and that's next, what this next. The next yeah. couple of planetary systems after Pyro are going to get done. Like, I, I know they've been working on. Uh, Nyx without saying too much that they're working on Nyx, but they're working on Nyx. There's a reason they showed um, Delmar in the past ISC. 
Like they are in development of Nyx. Um, but and the... Nyx is they are the the development for Nyx is they are working on the gas clouds and further making it so the gas clouds are are more you know um, are easier for them to make because Nyx has a nebula, not just a gas cloud, a nebula. Uh, within the Glacium Ring, which is one of its uh, one of its two asteroid belts, and that's why they're also working on more asteroid types for Pyro, so that way they can continue to iterate on iterate on the asteroid fields and make those different from what we have already, but be able to put that into a system very quickly as well. Yeah. So after yeah. like with Nix, yeah, I think Nix is going to get done way faster than anyone thinks it is going to, and it will just snowball after that with these tools. It's basically push button git system, yeah. um, and the the work that has to be done after that is basically just proofing. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna be getting the next systems very quickly after after Pyro, especially yeah. and if, Nick, Nick has asteroid bases. Yeah, especially um, it de- especially dependent on how fast we can get to dynamic server meshing. Because if they want to give, uh, let's say, two servers to every system, they might not want to go too crazy with the systems. They can still build them, but may not implement all of them. Um, until dynamic server meshing, where you can use very few servers per larger area if no one's there. Um, because it's going to cost a lot of money to run lots of servers. So, uh, depending on dynamic server meshing, we're probably going to get... Are you kidding, Funny Hat? Are you kidding now? Fine. Do it. I will. Just continue. <laughs> what happened? Where you go? I make no apologies. Nice. Oh, I put it over there. That's right. Okay. But yeah, like you know, Nix will they'll be developing you know other things for Nix. They'll they'll take things that they've been working on and use them to develop Nix, um, in order to. But you know, like the the asteroid bases that they make for Nix, you know, will be used and they'll bring them back and put them in the asteroid fields in Stanton and Pyro. Um, the updated underground facilities in, in that they're making. Will get used for I think it's Nix Two, is the the planet that has abandoned mining facilities on the you know, um, as well as you know stuff that they're working on for outposts. What they're doing for outposts right now will be will be used on systems you know for the rest of Star Citizen's development, um, and the tools that they're using to build these things and build them quickly. All they're doing is go, all they're going to do is add in more. Um, more resources, just like adding in more more plants and trees and Overlands. ground scatter for um, for the planet tech. They're going to add in more building types, structure types, um, the overlays, you know, for stations, um, for outposts, um, and they'll also be doing that for landing zones as well. It's all about building the libraries for the tools, and the more systems they build, the more things they add to the library. For that tool set, um, <clears throat> and so that's what you know. Another part of this, the the next. Um, so I'll reread that that uh, 
that paragraph. The team is also nearing completion of the first version of the procedural loca locations creation tool. This allowed them to create and edit simple layouts of space stations in minutes. Pardon me again. And will dramatically decrease the time it takes to make stations out of existing modules. They'll use this tool for asteroid bases. You know, they'll they'll combine the underground facilities with the procedural location tools, <clears throat> procedural locations tool, and the station stuff in order to make asteroid bases for you to 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 live in, as well as you know, NPC uh, owned and operated one. Uh, because they, they talk, it's a very prominent thing in the lore is the hidden, uh, the hideouts and bases within uh, the Glacium Ring and its nebula. Um, the um, Epic Sea knows that they're there. They just can't, they don't have the resources to find them. Um, and that's where pirates and smugglers hang out. And they go to Delmar and Levski to get supplies, essentially, you know. Uh, they are also in the final push of the first version of the pool of the tool that will help create derelict settlements. The goal of this iteration is to be able to create 80% of a derelict settlement procedurally. This heavy lifting will allow the artist more time to polish and finish the location. Reaching this goal will mean that a derelict settlement will take weeks rather than months to create. So uh, instead of one person working on this for months, it's going to take them a couple weeks. And so they can quickly push out these derelict settlements um you know using the tool and as well as not, the, not only the derelict settlements but this tool will be applied to rastar you know as well so that way things can be uh, the, the the planets can be populated with content very quickly um, and that is really it for tools montreal back to you for tech animation Nazars. Oh, I just saw, I do have a live, I have a live tools Montreal, you get online services Montreal as well. <laughs> All right, so alongside long-term planning, Tech Animation approached the release of the revamped loadout pipeline in Maya. This will dramatically speed up the loading of complex Maya assets and accurately reflect their current state in-game. Uh, as a quote, it is a win on every level that we're excited to share. Tech Animation. Further to this, the team began consolidating all the new heads they would like to appear in game this involves processing a lot of old and new data along with alignment to deliver on the requirements for both part for both parts of the game i imagine both parts meaning squadron and star citizen um so far 60 heads need to be scanned created rigged and integrated into the dna gene pool to archive the version to ar yeah to achieve this version Wow. Um, I don't think we have anywhere near 60 heads in-game right now. Not not available to the gene pool, though. That's that's a lot. Sweet! Um, good job, Tech Animation. I wish you well on your endeavors. Um, and that is all for them. Back to you for online services, Montreal. I don't even get turbulent. Man. Pardon me. Online Services Montreal. These are the people. This is the team that um, manages the manages the backend. You know, um, the login flow, the the servers, the, the databases, all that. Anything to do with the website? Yeah, and the website. Yep. Uh, no, that's turbulent web platform. 
the oh, online services right. team right. spent the month preparing for the release of Alpha 3.18 by focusing on stability, bug fixing, and the deployment process for the new login flow. Uh, they also fixed bugs on the entity graph and login flow and worked alongside the team in Austin on testing various uh, deployment options and performance of the login flow service. Significant progress was made towards the new fleet service and shard manager. Mm. Both are needed for persistent entity streaming and are almost ready for internal demo. Uh, development of private lobbies began too, which will add new matchmaking and gameplay options for Arena Commander. Lastly, a bug was fixed in the fixed closure rate indicator UI element. The indicator was giving the full relative speed instead of only the velocity component towards the target. No idea what that means. Um, or, yeah, how it's related to online services. But, yeah, on to you for live tools, Montreal. I mean, that was a lot of cool stuff in there. Um, where was it? Um... Problems made towards fleet service and shard manager. Fleet service and shard manager are the things for server meshing, like shard manager yeah, specifically. Uh, I think shard <coughs> manager is a more dynamic feature than static. Yeah, uh, if the you shard want manager... to know more, check mm -hmm. out the unofficial roadmap yes. to server meshing by unobtainium because they've been tracking that stuff. Yeah. for years so it says the shard manager functionality is responsible for creating a shard in the entity graph database ensuring it is seated with the initial population of entities communicating with matchmaking which is the float login flow so that players can join a shard and, and talking to provisioning services so that the hybrid server and dedicated game server gts can be assigned to a shard so the shard manager is the thing that makes shards and and gives to every other service basically is the first stop of sharding. So made some progress towards that. Very good indeed. Um, let's see. Live Tools Montreal. The Live Tools team progressed with design improvements for the hex gathered. Yeah, for the hex gathered from feedback provided by its regular users. Um, Hex, in this case, is a developer tool uh, for the website. Um, I think it has something to do with the new form of uh, web pages we have, where instead of it basically being normal uh, HTML pages, uh, we get these nice graphically intensive and animated uh, pages for ships, events, and so on. I believe that is what Hex is. Uh, that's why fairly recently, within the last two years or so, uh, the quality of these pages have gone way up. Uh, since yeah. the new login process was implemented successfully, the team is now developing the login flow and entity graph for the network operation center. So not players, but operation center, backend guys, uh, which will allow users to access detailed information, users not player users, backend users. Um, about the login detail about login details in the and the different inventories about player ships. The reason I say it's background information is because it's about it's details about login info and player ships. It doesn't say your ships. It's it's basically a debug tool. It's a tool that they can look into player inventories. Um, they were talking about this not too long ago, where they could go into a player's inventory and bug fix directly with whatever player is having a problem. 
That's what this is. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Repair instead of reset. Right, right, right. Uh, These new modules will provide an advanced capacity of investigation and monitoring and troubleshooting a wide range of issues. So there you go. There's confirmation that that's a back-end thing. You will not be able to, unfortunately, as far as we know, be able to see your ship or player inventory from outside the game. Though, CIG, that would be a great thing to have on your website. That would be super cool if you could see your hangar and all your items in game. That would be great. Make a little, like, loadout manager. That would be, oh, man. Yeah, it would be nice to, like, plan. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Like, Out of game. I imagine just, like, they we have, like, hangar apps that you can have, like, different... Um, APIs or what are you called extensions on your browser to help you manage your hangar or view your hangar in different uh, contexts. There would be like a loadout manager or a like spreadsheet of fire for your items. That way you could like see, do I have this gun? No, yes, kind of thing. Do I have ammo for this gun? And anyway, back to you for the turbulent web platform, the one I thought you were reading but are now reading. Alrighty, so Turbulent Web Platform throughout August, Turbulence Web Team continued to add to the Alexandria CMS tool, adding a new and improved RSI skin, as well as completing the designs on a new Drake style. Cool. <laughs> uh, the backend architecture team upgraded the code base with PHP 7.4. They also made major advances in resurrecting the much needed K8s project. Uh, to make it easier and more efficient to scale web browsers and QA environments. Turbulence web com- community web team further developed the upcoming community hub. There it is. Yep. <laughs> while the experience team began several new projects, including clear onboarding for new players. Cool. Yeah. So the, the new player experience extends to the website as well. And uh, they are still working on the community, com- community hub. Yep. We've just uh, got more to do. Like I said, it's with Turbulent now. Um, all right. So time for my last um, section, the UI team. The UIT can, UI team continued to push forward with features on the new star map, implemented three-dimensional text and shader effects for space clouds. Space clouds on the map. Cool. Uh, uh, the artist worked on a range of concepts for terminal screens in different locations around the universe and several bug fixes were fi- or several bugs excuse me were fixed currently focus remains on adjusting these existing loadout systems ready for the persist race to support persistent streaming on the squadron side the ui team continued to push forward uh features that same thing uh just did it twice same thing it. wait a minute you you mean that <laughs> something that they're working on for squadron 42 is also for the PU. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yes. Um, and it will almost immediately get put over into the PU after they've QA'd it, bug tested it within squad, yep. you know, Squadron's development. Because assuming it's it's dynamic, it will just pick up the space around you. Yeah, um, it's not a unique thing to Squadron. Yeah. So the part that is different, <clears throat> while programmers worked on a variety of core features highlighting interface elements and interacting with holograph displays. So cloud tech, mapping, terminals, and holographic displays um, was the stuff done by the UI teams across both <laughs> um, Squadron and Sarsisson. And for your final uh, category or section, VFX for tree. 
VFX for PU. Last month, VFX concept art continued to iterate on quantum travel effects. I'm hoping that that along with the, is you know, it's tied to the quantum travel experience, but the work on the Gen 12 will make it so that way we don't have so much stuttering in mm -hmm. quantum travel. Uh, yeah, make it a much better experience. Because <clears throat> even on, like, ultra-powerful systems, it, it just is choppy and unreliable. And, yeah. Uh, which involved collaborating with the collaborating with the VFX artists to prototype the FX in engine. Elsewhere, the team added effects to several new modular modular locations, including some crashed and derelict spaceships. They also began working on two new vehicles. Uh, finally, work continued on salvage effects, specifically the hull stripping laser used by some vehicles. Cool. So they're they're taking what they already had and making it ultra pretty with the VFX. Uh, last month, the VFX team, was, and this is for Squadron 42, last month, the VFX team resumed work on a cinematic sequence that forms a major part of the story in the early stages of the game. Due to the complexity of the sequence, the team experimented with several creation methods in Houdini to deliver the effects to a high standard. Really ultra vague, but something that's really I, important in the major I, part of the story. Something that's really complex and requires Houdini. What does Houdini do? Do you remember what they said Houdini's really good at? Explosions. Debris. What has a lot yeah, of debris? debris. Yeah. Vegas. Floating. Yeah. Floating ships and stuff. Yeah. God knows what else. Yeah. That would actually be really cool if they like blew up a space station. Or at least partially destroyed one. King ship just rolls through the space planet. station. Oh my gosh. VFX <laughs> <laughs> concept art completed the first pass on new weapon effects and help the artists visualize a complex scene involving a power, powerful energy source. Ooh. The Tesseract. The artists continue working closely with the art and design location teams, too. Yes. And that is it for the combined might of the PU and Squadron 42 monthly reports and for the month of August 2022. Holy we crap. did it. I want to go to bed now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I have to be. I have to. Well, I don't have to be up super early, but I do have to be up because I have to get my stuff packed up and head to the airport. Dang! If you are still with us, like us and your Blizzard, we really appreciate you joining us and listening. Um, you know, and, and hanging out with us and chatting, and we hope that you will join us again when we are able to go live again soon. Should hopefully be next Thursday, the twenty second, not the upcoming, but the following one. After I return from this uh, work trip, uh, but yeah, it's been fun, and uh, I look forward to more content coming from us soon. When I get back from this work trip, I'll have like eleven days off in a row nice. at home, with almost nothing going on but hanging out with a kid, um, or you know, working on streaming and, and making content. I am working on my script because I'm making my first YouTube video. And learning Premiere as I'm doing it. And guess what my first YouTube video is going to be on? Is it something medical? Nope. Uh, hmm. Oh, is it? Is it the, the, the ship ferry? It is. The next great capital ship. <laughs> I'm going to do it. It's going to be it's going to be big. It's going to be deep. It's going to be thick. All sorts of information on on the how and the why of um, 
LHDs and LPDs within the Star Citizen universe. Nice, nice. real cool. And and my so I need to re- that reminds me I need to reach out to Star Jump and talk to Ender and see if he'll if he's okay with me using their their images from um, the um, the thing fleet viewer the thing they made fleet viewer the fleet viewer yep in order to to demonstrate and, and put things to, into scale yeah. <clears throat> Yep, that'll be, that'll be really cool. I imagine he won't have a problem with it. Um, on my end, um, seeing how this has worked swimmingly, we have 0% drop frames. We might have a chance of doing more streams per week. We're not going to go full back into streaming, but there might be a chance. Uh, we are going to be covering um, the monthly report and a quick version, not an in-depth version, a quick version over on my YouTube. Um, and hopefully getting more... Um, Let's plays up and going. I just need to shop and do the do the job. I've just been distracted by world building and being busy at job and things. I just I've been lazy and haven't gotten to work. I just need to get back to work on YouTube's. Um, and then we will be back here on the twenty second. Also need to upload both the last two episodes onto the podcasty places. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's see. Do I have an end screen? I don't even have an end screen. Yeah, Nazareth threw the this Twitch overlay together in like the span of less than a half an hour because in his in trying to problem solve his upload stuff and everything that he was dealing with, he deleted all of OBS. Like he he went on a a, a heretical purge trying to find what was causing his symptoms. You know. And it wasn't OBS. Basically, had yeah, it wasn't OBS. So he had to make all this from scratch, you know, in, in like no time flat because he's hosting it. And I'm on the road, so well done, sir. Well done. Let's see where where is it? My images, Twitch. There's a reason that I did this the way I did it. Because I can throw together things. How did that do that? So this should work properly. If it doesn't, I blame Tree. Always my fault. Yep. Safe space. There we go. It worked. There we go. End screen done. All right. Thank you all for coming again. See you back here for the podcast um, on the 22nd, as far as the live version goes. Um, for everyone who watches this um, or listens to it, post thank you so much for watching if you guys have any questions as always leave them in whatever version we also have a link for the discord um where you can come and chat with us personally um without being live um next next uh, week is uh v2 and the roadmap so that will be nice and exciting and then we will basically have a lot of uh 318 news on the one after that so thank you again for everyone coming and we'll see you guys in the next one Bye, everyone. Good night. And as always, be kind.